Hello everyone. Hello everyone. I'm ho I hope you've had a good weekend. I just came up from the game. It was it was a good game. I know we've got Brian coming on at some point today. I have sent him a message. He hasn't joined me yet, so maybe he will join later on. Uh, but I don't want to just say, ah, let's scrap the stream. So we will we will carry on with the stream. And if he joins, I'll uh, I'll add him straight in as soon as he joins in the. Into the um, I don't even know what you call it. I was going to call it a lobby for like game lobby, but it's not really a lobby. Into the into into the green room, essentially, I guess. Um, but today I was going to talk with Brian about uh, neurodivergent thinking, neurodivergent individuals. Spoke about it the other day. Um, well, uh, was it last week or the week before in stream? I think. Uh, and I know Brian has ADHD. He he talks about it um on his channel and talks about some of the some of the struggles, some of the differences that he personally has. And I thought, you know what? Let's have a conversation. And He's not here, but I can still have a conversation about it because some of the things that people with ADHD, people with autism, people that are neurodivergent, I can't say that I'm, I am or I'm not uh, one or the other. Hello, Paulie. Good to see you. Long time no see. It's been, it's been like, I don't know, like six days, <laughs> six days. The, the streaming on Twitch, right, this, this, this past week has been hectic. I'll tell you. Oh, there we go. There he is. Um, Brian, just give me a thumbs up to make sure I can add you straight in. Yep. Good, good. There we go. Nice. Good to see you. I don't even have a name on. Look at me being unprofessional. <laughs> How are you? Uh, I'm rushing around this morning. What to do? Ah, no worries. No worries. Um, yeah, I was, I was sort of just saying, I, I spoke, I think it was last week uh, on, on stream about Different different types of thinking, neuro, neurodivergence in an extent. I don't know that much about it um, because I've never never like the term came across me when when John mentioned it on stream. I think it was late twenty twenty, early twenty one. Um, I was like, oh okay, this is. A, I knew what ADHD was. Well, I knew about it. I knew about autism, but I didn't. I didn't know that much. I just knew it was a, a thing people had, uh, and that was about the extent of my knowledge because I'd never been told you have this you have that or anything uh it was suggested quite a few times <laughs> um but uh yeah and i've never really looked at exploring it but recently recently tiktok has been throwing all of these people at me <laughs> and i was like oh okay this is a thing oh yeah i got sucked into adhd tiktok hardcore like i get i get i go on there it's nothing it's nothing but <laughs> It's, it's just ADHD, autism, and what's the other one? Uh, uh, this is either dyslexia or dyspraxia. Dyslexia it is is dyslexia because I know dyspraxia is another thing because I've worked with individuals with dyspraxia. But yeah, those those three. Whenever I go on TikTok, it's just loads of stuff about it, and I'm like, this is so cool. And whenever I hear people talking about it, I'm thinking to myself, I see a lot of relatability right now, and I don't know whether that's me being undiagnosed, me just seeing what they're saying in me. It's, it's, I'm sitting there like, I don't know. <laughs> well, obviously I'm not a clinical professional, but I'm pretty sure you're probably just undiagnosed. Yeah. And th this is one of those things <clears throat> that I've always been intrigued by, uh, even, even before coming into this neurodivergent world labels. I know some people not necessarily need the label, but the label helps them get the help they need in school and all that sort of stuff. Um, what, what are your thoughts on on the the labeling, the, the categorization essentially of wh whatever it happens to be? What, what are your thoughts? Obviously, this is no no like right wrong answer. It's just a thoughts. Um, I think there's a good and bad 
ways of using slash viewing it. Um, it can be definitely a tiger trap of identity. Like you don't want to just be, uh, I had a conversation with um, somebody, I'm not sure if they want to actually be put on the spot for having this conversation with me, but about how you don't want to get caught up in uh, tying your entire identity to the fact that you have the thing, even though like for me and for people with ADHD, it's such a pervasive thing that it literally affects just about every portion of your life. But that doesn't mean that it has to be the sole focus of your identity. But at the same time, having that, not necessarily a label, but an explanation of, oh, this is why I am this way in a lot of other um, aspects of life or why I approach things this way or why I have trouble with these things is because I have XYZ label. And when you have that understanding of what you have, then you're better able to either confront different issues or fa easily find tools to help you in those areas. So if I know I have ADHD, I can look for actual strategies from clinicians or read uh, research papers on, you know, what read and learn more about myself and how my brain works and therefore how to best work around my brain, which is why a lot of the stuff that I outsource to software is what I outsource to software is because it helps me, you know, with my shortcomings and deficiencies because of the way my brain works uh, or, you know, harnessing that. Like I know that a lot of, the, of what we have comes down to environment. So if I set up my environment conducive to my success, I'm more likely to be successful even with this disorder. And like, that's why I know I really am good with hyper-focusing on things like code because it's just like a giant puzzle. You get lost in the details. You can really think about large abstractions, hold this all in your head and you get lost and immersed in it. And it's fun. And I know that I can do that really well. So if my job is not, you know, a retail stock worker, just putting things on shelves and just mind numbingly maddening, then if I get a job that is conducive to what I can hyper-focus on, I can flick that switch, go to work, code, and I get nine hours of straight productivity and I crush it. So if you set up your environment to be conducive to your success, use tools, find tools and work around and with and harness your advantages and try to minimize your disadvantages, it's much more conducive to a very, much more fulfilling and happy life. Because a lot of people like to say, oh yeah, ADHD is a superpower. Like, why are you complaining? And like, yeah, some aspects of it are really freaking nice. Like, I like being able to go to work and just bam, nine hours of just crushing productivity. But with it hyper-focused, like it looks great on the outside, but I always called it a, a gilded double-edged sword. It looks nice, it's effective, but it can bite you back because I can hyper-focus on code, but am I hyper-focusing on the right code or the code that I find interesting right now? Am I working on my personal project or am I working on my work project? Or am I even supposed to be focusing on this at all right now and should I be doing other things? So it looks great, but when you can't even aim that cannon, it's like, how effective is it? And that's just hyper-focus. Like there's so many other things that suck about the disorder that, yeah, it's a superpower in, in, in this narrow view of it, but that minimizes everyone else's negative experience with the disorder. So the label is helpful to many, especially when you're trying to receive treatment, have explanations, find strategies and coping mechanisms and tools and open up that dialogue with clinical professionals, but doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you should tie your entire identity to the fact that you have it, even if it does you know, pervasively affect everything in your life. Yeah, I I really relate with that cannon analogy. <laughs> like, if you fire a cannon in the right direction, it's really useful. If you fire it in the wrong direction, there's a lot of energy wasted. <laughs> I always called hyperfocus the cannon because it's like 
it is unbelievably powerful, but it is horrible to try and aim that thing in a very, you know, minute direction. Like it's going to go over there somewhere and it's going to be devastating, but I don't know if I'm going to hit my target, but you know what, whatever I do hit, it's going to be crushed. Yep. <laughs> well, that's so true. Um, and yeah, uh, Pauli, neurodivergent thinking. I, I put that as the title because I, I, the way, the way I have it in my head, neurodivergence is there's so many different, I, I don't want to say the wrong thing <laughs> to offend anyone. So I'm going to try and not, but it's like, how do you not offend someone nowadays? It's like treading on eggshells. Um, but the, the, the many different ways of thinking in the neurodivergent sort of like area vary quite, quite vastly. Um, take autism and ADHD. They are similar, but also drastically different. <laughs> um, and I, I've done a, a little bit of research into both, uh, but I've listened to a lot of experiences and there's, there's a couple of people, they're great friends. One has ADHD, one has autism. And there are some things that they completely relate to like, yes, yes. And other things completely like polar, polar opposites. So I try to encompass it all in neurodivergent thinking, but it's what, what I have in my head. So what, what Pauli has just put, um, that, that is my brain all the time. That's exactly my experience recently watching all these things. I'm like, it's literally how I think. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I feel like there are so many people that have traits that can be matched with certain disorders, which I, I guess may blur the, 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 the so-called like line, wherever that line is drawn as to who has it and who doesn't have it. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, for the people who are confused about neurodivergent thinking, uh, it's helpful to, to look at the, the lens through the opposite end. Like, okay, well, what isn't neurodivergent thinking? And that's neurotypical thinking. Neurotypical is somebody whose brain is structured in a typical fashion. You know, you don't have any disorders. You don't, you, you cognitively function what you know, most scientists and um, psychologists define as normal, as normal as you can get. I mean, everything's a spectrum. So it could be, you know, you fall within a range that is classified as not significantly affected by any sort of disorder, or malformation or deficiency in your brain. Um, and take the, all that with a grain of salt. I don't have any papers to back up that literal statement. But um, I define like neurodivergent thinking as anybody who has a, you know, anything in their brain that makes them not neurotypical, and then how they think and approach life and anything else in it. And uh, as far as like, autism or other disorders that are potentially comorbid with ADHD, I have uh, a really good friend of mine who actually I know in person, but uh, he's also now one of my discord mods. And he and I both just love diving into research papers about this type of stuff. And um, the actual the interesting thing is that a lot of ADHD people have significant overlap and potentially core morbidity, core morbidity with um, OCD and autism. So that means that a lot of the symptoms that one of those conditions have potentially might indicate that you also have another one of those conditions to a potential you know, degree. It doesn't mean like I have 100% ADHD and I have 100% autism. It means like, okay, I exhibit like 89% uh, you know, strength or traits of ADHD. And then I have a 47%, you know, whatever. It's, it's always a spectrum. So I actually um, just started therapy recently and I actually requested from my, uh, my therapist to 
you actually get tested for autism because a lot of the symptoms and presentations of that disorder, I actually have to a, an interesting degree. So I'm at least interested in finding out that answer. But it's never like a clear, you know, hard cut line. There's always, you know, different degrees. Like a lot of people with ADHD, clinically diagnosed, look at like my content on YouTube and all the things that I'm doing and say, wow, you are really productive for somebody who has the, and yeah, I am. Maybe my presentation is different or less than other people. I think personally that um, I tend to be more on the hyperactive uh, uh, presentation, maybe one of the, the, the hybrid versions. So hyperactive or um, inattentive, I think are the actual two main ones. And there's like a combination one. I think I'm either hyperactive or the combo. But either way, I just have developed such rigorous strategies and have used somehow my thinking to uh, harness what I can do to a degree that lets me be almost, well, maybe not. Because I, I think I'm like, if I'm, if I was considered like a neurotypical, then it would be, okay, yeah, you're really productive for somebody who's neurotypical. But for ADHD, is it just my hyper focus or am I just really effective? It, I don't know. But that was a wrong tangent. But yes, yes, thoughts. Mm. Squirrel moments. We love them. We love them. <laughs> Down the tangent. I, yeah. I've got to say is it's with, so my, my previous experience, um, I'm just going to say it as it is. And if people get offended, I apologize. But from my previous experience with people that have had ADHD, this is my experience with other people that have spoken with me is they they've used it as, as a, a crutch, which I think is what you were sort of talking about earlier is I can't do this because I have this, or I struggle to do that because I have this. And I'm like, I understand that you have something that may impair or may enhance whatever it is you're trying to do. But at the end of the day, you've, you've you can't just say I, I'm not going to do that because of this this thing. Like it, it just like in my mind, it would just either take longer or you need to take a a different approach to it. That that's always been my approach when when attacking these things, which is partly why I've never given myself a label to something. Because if I do have whatever it happens to be a percentage, it doesn't really change anything for me. I'm still going to do the same stuff because I found what works for me. Uh, and I was watching um I can't remember who it was, uh, and she has autism and she uses Twilio. Uh, I, I love the name of the app, <laughs> uh, but it's essentially, it's a habit tracker. And I was looking mm -hmm. at it. I was like, that is, it's, it's literally the same thing as Todoist or TickTick. It's just a little bit more visual. You were going to say something? Is she a blonde TikToker who talks about autism? Yes. She, I want to say really Paige. Yes. I love, her. I love her. Yeah. I follow yes. her too. Yep. Uh, yeah, just one of the people that came across. And I, I don't like watching TikTok because it, I don't know, it, it just, it just irritates me watching TikTok. So I prefer like when she started making stuff on YouTube, I was like, yes, and I was like, I'm watching that. <laughs> oh, I need to follow her on YouTube then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's where the conversation. She had a conversation with her best friend. That's the person I was talking about. She, her best friend's got ADHD. She has autism. I was like, oh, and I was going back with the thoughts between the two. It's like, okay, this is relatable. I understand that. Um, massive following and it's just the the app that she used i was like she has autism but the the base of what is going on in the app is she has reminders to help her do what she needs to do yes she has some things that she needs to get reminded about otherwise she just completely forgets but, but at the base level it's still the same thing I was like, yeah i use um like things like todoist for that like just from like my basic habits too um like 
remembering to take my medication, remembering to do like my, my habits that I, just like my general habits. Like I wanted to read one of my daily meditations per day or do this other thing. And so if I just get up in the morning, go to work, then nine hours later, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot to do those things. So I actually use Todoist a lot for just timing tasks, but you know, it, tool agnosticism, it, like it doesn't matter what tool, as long as what you use is effective. And um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, no worries. L oh, so yes, one of yeah, sorry. Uh, one of the things I really liked about Paige that um, actually had me diving down a research rabbit hole and also wanted me to um, get tested for ASD, autism spectrum disorder, is the um, she talked a lot about the interoception problems, which is what she uh, I think I, I saw her highlighting Twilio or whatever app she was using about which is you literally don't get good effective signals from your body to take care of your bodily needs. And if you're in the hyper-focused state with ADHD, that's also a very poignant thing. Like, okay, yes, you forget to eat during the nine hours you're fixated on something. You forget to, or you, you don't forget, but you like put off going to the bathroom until the very last minute because you're just so into what you're doing and you just, I don't want, I don't want, God dang it, I have to go. And so, <laughs> Basically, like ignoring your body's impulses, and I, and then another ADHD TikToker actually brought this to my attention. It's like one of those things. You're like, oh wait, yeah, that's me. Is when you get so hyper fixated on something, you forget to breathe. Like, oh, you, you might want to do that. And so I always thought it was weird. And people always like, are you okay? When I was always heavy sighing, it's like, no, I'm not. Like upset. Like, <sighs> it's. I forgot to breathe. I finally took a breath and now it's like, I can breathe again. It's like, oh yes, you're ignoring your body's impulses. So ADHD and interoception issues is actually a, a topic I'm diving into some research papers on right now. I found some good ones on PubMed and it's interesting when you start really like, th like this is the thing. You don't think about all this stuff when you hear about the disorder. You're like, oh, squirrel, shiny things. That, that's that's yeah. like, 0.1% of like the actual like, nature of ADHD. It's like an iceberg. You're only seeing the little tip. Like, <laughs> like now I'm going to read like for the next three days about this thing, just just because I need to. I just need to know why that there's no rational thing. I just I just need to know now. Um, Down the rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly, uh, Kim. I think that's how you spell her name. If not, I apologize. But she's a, a blonde on on youtube i she's got like 30k subs something like that so it's not a small channel because she's got like a million followers on tiktok so and a lot of them have, have tracked over what, what lizzie put in chat was actually interesting it could be helpful for someone uh if, if someone knows you have adhd or ass um and and with that it's from from someone on the outside looking in again, like a few years ago, when because there were people that, uh, I mean, what, one of my roommates at uni, he had, um, oh, he had a combination of things. I can't remember all of them. ADHD was one of them, and there were loads of other letters that, to be honest, I just don't remember. There was there were so many, um, and and watching watching him, I was like, it it didn't affect me at all in in any way uh, that he had all of these things. It was it was just norm to me. Uh, there, there was no, I, I would say, like discrimination or anything. It wasn't like he's going to ask me a question, so I'm going to treat him differently. Like if you ask a question, I'm going to answer the question. Like there, there was just no difference in any way that I could see or he could see. It was just a thing. <laughs> it, was, it was just a, a thing that he had. Like he used um, a microphone to record the lectures. 
so that he could go go back. And I was just like, that's a smart idea. <laughs> like it, it wasn't some some abnormal thing. Uh, and I didn't even know he had ADHD for the first year and a half of uni. I, I just didn't know he had it. I just, it just didn't come to my mind. And there were other people in my uh, at school that had autism, but it just didn't. I, I just didn't acknowledge it. It was a label that I just didn't didn't acknowledge. I just knew that person as a different person to someone else. But everyone is different in their own ways, and that's that's how I saw it. I just saw that person is like this. That person is like that. I never associated things to them, which is why that comment was interesting. I was like. I don't know. Maybe that's just where I live, because um, I know some of the cultural and political landscapes in different parts of the world are very different. Um, trying to be political there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely very sensitive um, in a, a lot of respects, especially like the like your comment earlier about um, basically not using it as an excuse. And I, I tend to fall in sort of the same camp and that's a really big gray area. That's kind of like the battleground between both sides. Like some people are really sensitive about being told like, well, okay, you have this disorder, but don't let it like, doesn't mean you shouldn't X, Y, Z. But um, like, I like to look at it and how I've always explained it to others because I always just grew up thinking, okay, this isn't like, yeah, I have this thing, but it doesn't mean like I can't do anything anymore. It's, okay, well, this is my normal. And I just grew up like, okay, well, this, this, oh yes, this explains many things, but this is the life I've been living the entire time up until now. And this is my normal. But I explain it to other people like, okay, I struggle with these things. I may have had these issues come up. You may have seen or experienced and been on the, the receiving end of these, these issues. But here's my explanation, not my excuse. This is why this happened but I'm going to do my best to try and do better. I'm going to, I'm going to do the best that I can, but you also have to recognize that this is how my brain works. This is how my brain is formed. These are the issues that I will struggle with forever and they are not going away. I will do treatment. I will get, I will take medication. I will do my best to, you know, uh, be objectively observant of myself and try and moderate my behavior as much as possible. I will do my best, but, my best is only so much, and this isn't something that you can treat away. It's never going to change, but I will do my best effort to, you know, not just live in excuse-giving land. You know, a lot of people want to just wallow in powerlessness, and in many respects, maybe the severity of the disorder, it, it really is a giant stamp of it depends, but I personally just try to do my best and acknowledge things like this is the explanation, I'm not giving it as an excuse. I'm going to try my best, but this is what it is. Like, I can't change this about myself. Yeah, and I I had a bit of a light bulb moment, which is why my eyes sort of darted around because I started, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when when you said uh, it's who I am, it in, in my mind, I was suddenly like, oh yeah, that's what I say with my hearing because I'm deaf in this ear. It's just, it's, it's who I am. It, it, I, I can't change it. It's just there. Um, and I've just adapted to it. So when I don't want to listen to someone, I'll close this ear. Uh, when I do want to listen to someone, I turn my head. So, <laughs> um, so, so it's, it's, it's something that I've had to adapt to. Is it, is it useful in some cases? Is it hindering in a lot of cases, but I work around it. Um, and it, it's I mean, just for the hearing. If I, if I were to go to a club or anywhere that's loud, 
I, yeah, I can't, I can't isolate words, can't isolate things. I have to lip read. I don't have a choice. Um, and it's funny. I've actually never learned sign language, <laughs> never learned sign language. So I probably should at some point, but hardly anyone speaks it. So it's like, I can sign to no one because no one understands what I'm saying anyway. Um, but yeah, and with, with that, it's, it's who I am. Even outside of neurodivergent thinking or individuals or whatever that happens to be, just the neurotypical individuals, I think when there is a, a struggle or an issue, it's easy to use this as an excuse. Uh, yeah. and, and getting through that, I think anyway, like a lot of the athletes that I had, I missed a training session, I can't do this now, or we lost the game, we can't do that now. You're like, it's just an excuse. Forget the excuse and go, okay, this is what happened. This is what we're dealing with. How are we going to move forwards? That's actually really interesting when you bring it up in different contexts as well. So <clears throat> with a lot of my work, I'm working in an IT shop now with my new job. And we do a lot of the typical IT types of work, um, you know, agile, scrum. Basically, a lot of things are blameless and it deals with a lot of like quality management techniques, Lean Six Sigma. If any of this stuff makes sense to you, you probably might have an idea of what I'm talking about. But in essence, it's like, okay, as for, for a business to move forward, for things to get better, and especially in respect to technology, that sh stuff, I'm not sure if I can curse on this channel, but um, <laughs> okay, shit breaks all the time. Technology, shit breaks all the time. So the whole point is, are we just going to say, oh, that broke? Dang it, Danny, what did you screw up? Like, is that conducive to a healthy business environment? No, it's like, okay, this thing broke. Um, Danny, th you were working on this. Uh, did you, What changes did you make? How did you how did you change this? Okay, and so that broke that. Okay, so everyone, here's the documentation we're going to make about this. This is what broke the issue. So now we can move forward. We can make this service more robust, and now it's not going to break in the future. Like, basically, okay, here's the explanation. We're not blaming somebody. Okay, here's what I did wrong. I didn't show up for the practice. Here's why that, that messed up. I didn't have a ride in time. How can we fix that issue? Well, let's establish some sort of ride schedule. Like, basically, don't blame people, but don't give excuses, but identify the problem, come up with a solution, you know, progressively move forward, tackle your problems. And about what you said earlier, the idea interruption, like, that's definitely, like, hallmark ADHD impulsiveness is that, I have an idea, something came into my head, I need to get it out now, I'm gonna forget it, I can't focus on the conversation, I have to hold it in here, but now I can't focus, I need to blurt it out so I can go back to focusing on what you're saying. I have a notepad open on my other screen so I can write down my ideas to bring up, like that one. I have the same, I've got my obsidian up there. <laughs> yep. um, right, there was, a, there was a question in chat that was highlighting. Uh, why, why are you diagnosed? Because uh, I think you get diagnosed if things aren't going as normal. Mm. Interesting. It's probably it's probably like why aren't? Maybe it was a typo. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I was trying to. Uh, I've been doing. I've been dealing with so many typos today. I can't be. I can't be doing with reading anymore. I, I had to write a script. Like doing these doing these skits is. Uh, they are so much fun. I absolutely love making the videos. Uh, I mean, I have so many jokes in my head that just randomly pop up. I'm like, I'm going to make that really bad joke just because I can. Uh, and on stream, I just do it. And then when I'm writing the script out, so I have everything, I write it. And I can type as quick as my, my brain. Well, I can't type as quick as my brain goes. But normally, I can sort of like keep a rough flow. But I can't spell. I can't spell for shit. It just doesn't happen. And I was going back through. I was like, I don't even know what I was trying to say anymore. <laughs> you and me both with that. You and me both. So you know what? I'm just gonna scrap that whole paragraph. I'm gonna rewrite it. 
I get the rough idea of what the jokes were. Like, I'll just rephrase it. And then when I go and speak and actually do the video, <laughs> I'll forget whatever it was I wrote down and say something else. And I'm like, actually, that's even better than what I had to start with. That's how I do my video outlines in Obsidian. Like, I have my bullet talking points, but I don't bother fleshing out, like, a script. Like, a lot of people, like, reading from teleprompter-type script. I don't do that. I just have talking points, and then I just ramble. And apparently people like it, so because they, they keep subscribing, so... Uh. Yeah, yeah. I, it, so well, my my recent video that I put out, there was there was a bit in there um, where it was literally on my on my obsidian. It was like one line, and I spoke for like maybe like thirty seconds, and I was like, "This is all really good. I can't just cut it." <laughs> so I just put some edits in there to try and split it up. It's like that'll do. But back to Lizzie's point because we're tangenting. <laughs> yep, yep. That's 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 a good one. Uh, why aren't you diagnosed? Um, I've never. Like, I'm assuming that's directed at me because I, you are, well, ADHD anyway, aren't you? Are you, are you not diagnosed ADHD? I thought you were. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been diagnosed yeah. for a decade or more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I, I thought that question was di directed at me because I'm not diagnosed. Um, and the, big, the biggest reason is I've never, to be, to be completely frank, I've never cared. Like having having those letters really don't bother me that much. Like I've I've always gone through academics as my own person. Uh, I mean, I was never bad at it. I wasn't great at some subjects because my interest just completely diverted. Uh, but I've just done what I needed. I I passed what I needed to do to get to the next bit. I I didn't really care about getting A stars. I got like uh, I think I got fourteen Bs, two As an A star and like three C's or something at GCSE. So I was like, that'll do. I'm good. <laughs> I got away level now. I'll do the next bit. And then I went to uni. Oh, I'll do the next bit. And I just, I didn't, didn't care. <laughs> I really didn't care. I was more interested in following whatever it was that piqued my interest at the time. Uh, I mean, even, even now with my degree, technically I have a BSc and an MSc at the end of my name. Do I care? No. <laughs> Uh, ADHD in academia is kind of interesting because it can either be really, really great or it can be really horrible. Mm. Uh, I did really well in school and I think it was mostly just because like, uh, I like to learn and I like the stimulation of learning new things. And so I would just, you know, speed through my classes. Like I was in a lot of the accelerated programs or advanced placement classes. I never studied for anything and I would just, you know, do the homework, show up for tests and then just, you know, whatever. And then when I got into college, it was, it was actually a little bit, uh, a little bit harder, but not really. And I, yeah, now that I'm actually in my bachelor's degree program, it's still not difficult. I still am just like rushing through the material because like it's now not actually a technical degree on like you know software and code things. So I'm like, okay, well I've been self-educating on this for years, and so now I'm just like, okay, take the test, pass the class, next class, take the test, pass the class, next class, so on. And so like now it's just like mm, school is interesting, but kind of learn a more a lot a lot more sometimes when you just like hyper fixate down the rabbit hole. And it looks like Lizzie was saying she was directing it at me. Mm. But um uh, yeah, I got diagnosed not because I was like, I think I have ADHD. I need to go and look and see about getting diagnosed for that. It was um when I was younger, I had a lot of uh problems with like others other other people, students. Um, so I actually went to, I actually was put into therapy for um, like depression and anger management issues, which 
are actually because of um, like the depression could just be like the, it looks like depression, but it's really just, you know, you get your feelings hurt a lot with uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is probably the worst aspect of ADHD in my opinion, um, which, you know, ah, you feel bad, therefore you sad, and therefore you look like depressed. So that, and then your impulsivity leading to like, bad actions could be considered anger management or just your inability to emotionally regulate. So a lot of the things that are presentations of ADHD look like other things. So a lot of people with ADHD might be getting treated for depression or other things. And I actually saw something really interesting by somebody who actually had that exact situation. They were diagnosed with depression and they were taking um, you know, medication for depression, which, incre which increases your serotonin production. But serotonin is not what ADHD people have a deficiency of. It's dopamine. So if basically, I already have serotonin, so I need more serotonin. That's not going to do anything for your lack of dopamine. So therefore, it's not helping you. So a lot of these things might look like other conditions but that's not what you have. And so it's, it's help. This is one of the things that's really helpful with um, other channels, maybe, maybe a video or two of mine of just talking about like the different aspects of the disorder. Like I have a giant uh, note on my obsidian publish on all about ADHD, like the different presentations, a lot of my notes under each of those different presentations I wrote like for myself mainly. Um, but in general, it's kind of sort of helpful, I guess, for others, uh, just basically a hand guide for neurotypical people interacting with ADHD people and how to best maybe approach different scenarios. Like one of my key examples is like, if you're in a, a work environment and nobody should say this in general, but if somebody is like, can you come talk? Can you come see me? Can you come to my office? And that's it. Like period, a very a curt terse email like that. I'm just like, uh, alarm bells, stress, anxiety. Did I, did I screw something up? Am I in trouble? You know, emotional regulation out the door. I'm like losing my shit over here. All you need to do to make that a more like, you know, less panic scenario is first of all, just don't ever say that to somebody in that way. <laughs> but if, if you do like use emojis, so it's as simple as that, like adding uh, emojis into the conversation to you know, because we don't have the the tone or the body language or the visual of the person, text is a horrible medium for communication. So if you can just include emojis to show like a facial expression or an emotional tone you're trying to convey, this is why I use emojis so much in communication, is that it's easier to, to convey how you're feeling or what, what what is going on in the emotional content. So like, Namely, if you're going to communicate with like an ADHD person who's going to lose their shit, if you send a curt and terse email about something with no context and no potential emotional content in the in the message, it's like, ah, okay, well, there's my panic bells. Therefore, my adrenaline goes to the roof. I'm losing my my shit emotionally. So then, once I'm like, okay, I hear I'm in the office. Oh, it's just about you. Yeah, I sent you that report five minutes ago. It just check your inbox. I go to my desk. I'm fried emotionally from having to deal with that roller coaster, and therefore I have no more productivity left, which is just like RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria. I have an argument with my significant other at 8 a.m. I'm screwed the entire day. I have no emotional productivity, anything left for the entire day. I basically am I'm a potato on the couch because I have nothing left in me. Like it's very short, acute, very sharp emotional pain that is it just is horrible so 
it's that cannon analogy. Mm. You've got loads. It explodes. Once it's gone off, it takes forever <laughs> to reload that, <laughs> to reload all that energy. Yeah, the I, I like to think of the cannon as more of like the hyper focus, where that just yeah. it's infinite. But if you disrupt it with something like RSD, it's just like getting kicked off a mountain. Like you're, you're gonna have to spend the next day trying to climb back up to get to the top of the mountain to where the cannon is, and. With RSD, it's usually like I'm screwed until I sleep. So, like sometimes, if it's like I have an argument or something in the evening, I'll just be like, I have nothing left in me. I'm going to bed. It doesn't matter if it's like six o'clock in the afternoon. I, I, I'm going to bed. I I, I I just have nothing left in me to even be conscious. I just have to. Yeah, it, it's it's horrible. That's interesting. That that is interesting as a as a because for me anyway. Um, and like I say, I'm not diagnosed. I'm not diagnosed with anything. I've never checked, no, never done a self-check either. I just not done it. But for me, when, when I do get drastically emotionally drained at something or mentally drained at something, my brain will go, okay, I'm going I'm to forget that. and I'm going to hyper-focus on this next thing. So my brain is always going on something. It, it can't shut off. It's always going at something, uh, which is why sometimes when uh, I'm, when I focus, I've said this a couple of times on stream. It's when people ask, "How are you so like energetic all the time?" I'm like, because when I get bored, if my brain gets bored, I get frustrated or energy drops or whatever happens, I switch topics and it's literally like a hard reset. As soon as there's that new thing, I'm suddenly like 100% again. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just going until something happens. Then I was like, oh, it, it's not really a let's go 50% at this thing. It's either a zero or a hundred, or sometimes 200. Like. I had a stream was, I think it was last, last Sunday. Uh, I, sometimes I wake up and I, my energy is just like 200% for no apparent reason. I wake up and I'm like, let's go 200% today for no apparent reason. And my brain just flies. Uh, it's a good cannon normally, day. <laughs> normally when they, so these happen like once every two weeks. Um, but normally when that happens, I don't want to talk to anyone because I know if I even attempt to communicate with someone, they will get completely lost because the the things that, that are in my head that I'm normally like, that's not relevant right now. I can I can sort of pocket. Nah, the pocketing doesn't happen. It's just blur. <laughs> Words, insert thoughts and everything. And I wasn't going to stream. And I did the stream. And I mean, the people in chat can, can let you know, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was, <sighs> It was a 200% day. <laughs> it, it was just go, go, go. And when I'm in one of those days, I I can't sit still. I mean, I can't sit still anyway, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just going. Um, and I, I, I guess, I, again, it's like a, a pro and a con. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pro and a con. Being, being that hyperactive is great. But if you need to do something that requires a, the slightest bit of focus... You can yeah. see the chair in the background right now. Like, <laughs> I got my my little my little fidget cube. Like, yeah, the I like to harness those days when I get them because like I can have like a good days like where they're like okay I got a hundred percent to give to whatever it's gonna be a productive day I get a lot done maybe eighty percent of my 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 things I want to do done that's a good day when I get one of those one of those two hundred percent days it's I shut off communication. And I just get in the trench and plug away at something that's like a very big mountain of executive function that I need to tackle. Like I talk a lot about the executive function issues where like a large task looks like a mountain that you have to climb and walk over. And oftentimes you just look at it like, 
no, I don't want to do that today. That's a lot. I can't, no. Whereas like every other normal day task, like brush your teeth, make the coffee. It's just like, it's a little hill. Okay, we walk over the hill. We're good. But then it's like, okay, I need to go and take my car somewhere for maintenance. And that's going to be several hours. And then I have other things I need to do today. And that's a mountain. So it takes forever. But when you get those 200% days, I'm just like, yes, I'm finally going to be able to tackle something large today. It's okay. Start with the hardest thing first. Take the car in. Then everything else is just, all right, we got, we got momentum now. We just rolled a boulder down this mountain. Now I have that momentum. Bam, 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 bam. All these other subtasks. It's, I love riding the wave of those days, but they do not come often for me. <laughs> I, I, like uh, Lindsay in chat is uh, saying, yeah, that's the point. I just ride the waves. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. 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 You have I, to because with executive dysfunction, you, you got to snowball, ride the waves and the momentum and just do what you can when you can do it. And when you can get a good wave, capitalize on it and run with it. Yeah. It's it's funny. Like with when I was playing sport, well, more competitively than now like when i turned up and i was on one of those days like everyone on my team knew it they were like okay <laughs> like playing football I was like okay just give him the ball he'll just do it and like <laughs> i used to play i used to play left back like, as defense like playing back on on a normal day i'd just run like the length of the pitch up and back as you would do and, and then sort of in the middle if i was on one of those days i'd lit like i'd just be running like irrespective of it's 90 minutes i'm chasing that ball i don't care where it is <laughs> i'm just going I've, I've got it uh and and my team sort of adapted to that as well they're like oh he's on one of those i'll just i'll just fill in i'll let him run around it's one of those danny days in. let's let him go <laughs> unleash the danny exactly it's like we'll, we'll just let him like run um and, and hamble was the same it was literally like at uni when i had one of those days in in a comp sometimes i get triggered like emotionally and i suddenly go from like a normal 100 percent. like someone triggers me like irritates me frustrates me whatever i suddenly just jump you're like okay he's pissed off we'll give him the ball <laughs> and just let, let him do his thing see that's i i have the exact same thing like uh with adhd and physical activity it's also along with medication one of the most effective treatment methods and I'm not 100% sure about this, about if it was related to the lactic acid production and somehow that interaction of that. But um, I did, I, like right now, like I look at my channel and everything I do looks like, oh, wow, you are super into tech. That only happened when I started my my public sector career here in um, the California government. Before that, like, I was basically just, you know, physical education meathead. Like I have a degree in physical education. I did parkour for like seven years. I ran one of the larger groups in California. I taught parkour. I taught gymnastics. Um, I studied kinesiology and I even had my own personal training business. Like I was a meathead and I did powerlifting too and bodybuilding. I did all, did the, the gamut. And I love those times when you can just like really just trigger that anger. Like when you get the, just because you can't regulate your emotional state and you just get intense, incredible anger when you can harness that for a physical effort, it is insanely awesome. You feel like a God. Cause I'm just like, all right, I'm getting mad about something or I had a really bad day. I just think about that. I fixate on it and I get so angry. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to deadlift 420 pounds right now. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. Yeah. It's like handball at uni was my go-to thing. Cause I could throw the ball as hard as I wanted as many times as I want. Like I can jump throw just, 
be aggressive or go into the gym, play football. I can kick a ball as hard as I want at a goal, just be aggressive. Trampoline was a little bit different, but the thing with trampoline is you can just try and jump as high as physically possible. And it's just so satisfying putting all your energy into the trampoline, just being flown in the air. Um, and with that as well, when you get to the top, because you're jumping slightly higher than normally, like, oh, this is off balance. This is, and you suddenly get like the nerves. And yeah, that was thrill seeking a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I always like doing um apparently the the thing that's also really helpful with the the actual physical activity portion is like uh Lindsay saying there is that the picking up heavy things. So like powerlifting and lifting heavy weights and exerting all that energy and yeah, you're going to be producing a lot of lactic acid, but just the intensity of that moment, I don't know what it is about it, but I think powerlifting is my favorite thing I've ever done physically. Like I really like parkour, but I can't really do a lot of the, you know, the training conditioning and the body weight stuff with it. There's just something about like lifting a heavy ass weight that is just, there's just something, something about it that is just so nice. Just feeling really powerful when you can move some heavy things. Uh, that's, that's probably like my favorite physical activity to in general, but also like to, to help with, with that. Oh, and uh, so some of my notes, the, when you said always being focused on something, that is also something that uh, happens to me is that people will comment that you're, I'm always focused on something, busy doing something. I'm always busy, busy. We're always busy because we're chasing the dopamine. <laughs> we're like, I want to do something stimulating. I want to learn. I'm going to dive down this rabbit hole. I'm not, it's not interesting anymore. I'm burnt out on this thing. I want to do something else. Chase the dopamine. There it is over there in that rabbit hole. Let's go over there. And it also like that's also why i guess some people look at me and they're like wow you do a lot of things you're really productive you have adhd yes i'm chasing the dopamine my environment is conducive to my success but i'm running for the dopamine <laughs> yes 100 percent. i was it's funny i was watching minimalism yesterday uh, and they were saying about uh they were, they were talking about like toys and this that and the other and i was like oh, okay fine get rid of stuff cool and i tweeted about it yesterday as well saying like the tech is kind of like the the toys of the adult world almost i was like okay fine but when you look at the majority of things like everyone is always looking to do something somewhere like even the most productive people on youtube or wherever they're always trying to do something there is always something there and when you were just talking now it made me think I have no idea whether this is a relation, whether there's a correlation or not. No idea. Um, in my mind, where it went. Now, with the amount of like dopamine hits, essentially, we get from devices and ads and the rest of the stuff that's going on. The the things that are building up our environment potentially are more uh, attractive to those people with the with the traits of potentially ADHD or other things that like that. So, do you reckon? the environment could maybe trigger more of those types of traits in people, not necessarily more ADHD, but more, more of those similar traits because of the environment we've got. I don't know. That's why my brain suddenly went when you said detox. I was like, interesting. I'm sorry. I dissociated a little bit. Can you do a little <laughs> so brief overview on those points again? Yeah. My brain was going around. So the, the more, the more essentially like dopamine hits we get in the environment. So people growing up, do you reckon that's going to reinforce the traits of some of the traits of ADHD and like just 
looking for the next thing and then hyper focusing on something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't even know that there's, <laughs> there's, I know that there's, um, I was actually just thinking about this recently, uh, this thought about how a lot of times, like when I was first starting my own YouTube channel, like a lot of the things that we do is we will like, make a baby step into something, an activity, an idea, or a, a business or something. We'll put something out into the world. We'll take a baby step there. And depending on the, the feedback we receive, like if somebody's like, oh, hey, that's a really cool thing you're doing there. You're like, oh, dopamine. I'm going to continue this now. But if you get like, the inverse and somebody's like what the hell are you doing it's like oh, i'm not going to do that so mm -hmm. like if if you're doing it, maybe if there's the, those most more social aspect things like so for instance like starting that business or me running this youtube channel when i first started getting that positive feedback loop it's like okay yes this is yes this good gonna, gonna do this now so as far as like the the other point i don't i don't know if, if that answers your question at all <laughs> <laughs> but that was something interesting that I thought of recently is the, the feedback loop, making it easier to continue with activities like this. Like I have a, a schedule every Monday I put out a video. Okay. Well that requires commitment, planning, tasks, work. And how am I able to maintain that? I guess the dopamine hit is large enough. Um, and I enjoy this enough to continue to do it. But if there wasn't that positive feedback loop, I probably wouldn't have the, the willpower, executive function, or fortitude to continue to push through and do this every week. Yeah, that's... We have, uh, we have Tom in the chat. Tom, Tom, Tom. Oh, yeah, Tom Solid. Yes, Tom is in the chat. I'm in and see <laughs> two of my favorites. Tom, you got to be careful what you say. You don't know who's watching in the background because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know quite a lot of the people you've had on your podcast uh, watch some of these streams in the background, you know, so got to be careful where you're, when you're saying favorites, but <laughs> I'm glad to be Highly included in that. <laughs> what was that? I'm glad to be included in that. <laughs> I, I feel like we've got like a... I, I, on, on Twitter, there's kind of like a, a group of us with the, with the memes going all over the place. Ah, oh, it's great fun. Love it. I swear, between you, Tom, and like uh, Francesco, it's like, man, are all my favorite people in in Europe right now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we we are we are like amazing. Well, no, 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 we're really not. <laughs> <laughs> you you just haven't found the right people in. Are you are you Canada or America? I can never remember. I am sadly in America. Okay. I thought you were, but I didn't want to assume because I know it's kind of offensive to Canadian people when you assume they're from America. I can see why it would be offensive. Can Canada, Canada, <laughs> Canada, <laughs> is, Canada definitely has its own issues, but it is far better than America. I say that all the time when, when I'm, when I'm like speaking and going through one, like brainstorming, Canada is, it just comes out. It's just, I don't know. Canada. <laughs> I, I don't know where I thought that was a UK thing because like America and Canada they're I, I don't know I don't know they're just so similar <laughs> well they're not but yeah anyway <laughs> right question Let, let's get off that um political <laughs> bombshell <laughs> uh, <clears throat> do you guys ever feel pressure to finish something during one of your hyper focuses because you don't trust yourself to get get it back that's an interesting question. Hmm. Do I feel pressure to finish things always about everything ever? 
Yeah. Uh, during one of my hyper focus. Uh, I would say probably not actually in this instance, if I'm hyper focused on something, I'm usually going to be lost in it until, until I'm done. Um, what can happen is that if I'm out of that and then I'm transitioning to something else, I might leave myself a, like a to-doist task or a task somewhere in, in my, like my go-to source. So I have like, I don't want to have tasks sprinkled around everywhere. I have like one source of truth for anything major in my life that I refer to constantly. So I know if I have something to do, it's going to be in that application, only that application. So whenever I go there, I know that everything I need to do is in that one place. And if I'm, you know, moving off of something and going to something else and I don't want to forget about it or lose it, I'll put it in there. I might not get around to it for months. Hell, sometimes it's even been a year, but I know that it's it's there. And so that's like one thing with ADHD habits is like, yeah, I want to take up boxing. I'm going to buy gloves. I'm going to buy tape. I'm going to buy the, the actual bag. I'm going to hang it from my ceiling. I'm going to get a little stabilizer everything from the bottom. I'm going to use it for two days and then not touch it for a year and a half. Okay, that sucks. That's impulsive. That's the ADHD tax where you impulsively buy things. But sometimes that actually has also been really helpful because then like my girlfriend and I are like, yeah, we actually want to take up this hobby. Oh, hey, I actually I own all the stuff to do that already. We don't have to spend any more money. I did that all the way, way back ago. So here we go again. But I have all the materials. So like I'll pick up hobbies, drop them. But a year later when I want to do them again, I have all the stuff still. So it's it kind of sucks. But also have kind of made it to where it's, okay, this isn't that horrible, but I definitely spend more money than I should, especially during Corona. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us are guilty of that. And I, I will say, I, I have the same urge, but I'm very good at curbing it. I, I learned, I don't know whether it is deliberate or not, but... I, I never bought anything when I like younger, like just didn't like I played sport. That was it. I just didn't, I got what I needed. Um, so whenever I decided, okay, I want to buy that thing. I had to get it myself. So I was very like, I had to be very, very regimented with how I spent things. So I was like, okay, I want this thing now. I'm not going to do anything. Uh, so in my head right now, if I want to buy something, I will wait a week and see if I still want that thing. If I do still want that thing, then I will wait another week, but completely like, forget about it and like if i actually need it within those two weeks then i'll get it otherwise like if i forget that i needed the thing i obviously didn't need it it was just a an urge at the time <laughs> um, i used to have that i used to have that when i was younger just starting my career still living at home with with my mom and you know i was just starting to get a full-time job which means i was just beginning to pay rent and i had very little you know discretionary income i basically lived off of 400 dollars a month I pay my rent and then I have enough money for food, for you know, gas from my car so I can actually get to work. And I basically lived off of $400 a month. Now that I'm like an adult and I have a career and I have my own house and I have, I, I have a good living, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I spend, I, I'm it's the exact thing I hate, American consumerism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, question from Kim. Which application do you use right now? I'm I'm going to guess Todoist, Obsidian, and then a bunch for Quick Capture. Uh, what, what for task management? Uh, I I think I think that was a, a general question. So when was that? That was that was about two minutes ago. So yeah, probably. About oh yeah, if it's for task management, um, 
everything is in Todoist, one, one, one place. Now I do have like certain task things in other applications, which I know I just said, I don't do that. I don't do that for like the tasks I need to do in a day. Like if it's okay, Brian, today you need to, you know, you need to brush your teeth, you need to shower, you need to take your medication because, you know, personal hygiene and keeping on top of that, yeah, that's an actual issue with ADHD. So sometimes I need to be reminded to do that. And that's embarrassing, but that's the way it is. So, Three but like, yeah. Remember to take your medication for the disorder that makes it hard for you to remember to take your medication. <laughs> so uh, I'll use Todoist for like, these are the things I need to do today. And I, as well as like other like projects or things that I tag, like I'm still figuring out how I want to use the Todoist system because I wasn't using all the features the way that it was, it's really powerful. So I'm like, I'm still figuring out a lot of that stuff, but a lot of those things are in Todoist. But when I have tasks in Obsidian, it's more of like, hey, your task is I want to flesh out this note. Okay, well, that's something I want to do. I'll get around to it, but that's not something I need to do today and then clutter up my daily task list with something that I'm not necessarily needing to do today. And then I'm just looking at this large pile of, that's a lot of things to do today. It's not a mountain, but when you see a thousand small hills, it's like, uh, and then you spin your wheels and executive dysfunction kicks you in the teeth and you don't, you don't want to do anything. Yep. Yep. And it was directed at you as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that was, that was right. Uh, and then I guess going back to the question, cause I never really answered the, the, um, what was it? Do you guys feel pressure to finish something? I, I always feel like I need to finish it, but I'm, I'm never finished. <laughs> like the, I've just accepted that I'm never finished, which is why, uh, so inbox zero for me uh, on my email works because I I look at my email once a day and then once I've gone through all of them, I'm good. It will probably add up throughout the day and if something pings on my phone and I go, oh, that's an important email, I'll actually respond to it. But most of the time I'm just like, not needed, not needed, not needed, I'll check it tomorrow. However, tasks, I just accept that that will never be empty. <laughs> I, I just accept it. Uh, and basically go, okay, what task has been here the longest? Do I still need that there? If I don't, I get rid of it. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there and just bug me. The fact that I haven't done it, but I don't actually need to do it. It's just, yeah, sure. Um, and and I, will, I will just smash out tasks. The thing, the thing with me is when I'm hitting tasks through uh, is just because I'm doing a task, it doesn't mean I can think of another task to do. There are... So many times where I'm like, I have 10 tasks today. I complete three tasks, but I add seven. <laughs> like, I've been productive today. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, I've got more tasks on there. But I've actually done stuff. It's just I've added more tasks. Uh, and a lot of those small tasks I'll get done, like low intensity tasks I'll probably do later on in the evening when I'm like, oh, yeah, I should really be winding down. But my brain is still going 100 miles an hour. Let's just do loads of small random tasks until it's like time right to send me to bed. <laughs> Ride well, that wave. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think for me, I don't really, I don't really not have energy. I don't know whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I don't really not have energy. I just wake up and have energy, and then I just have energy when I go to bed. <laughs> it's just okay. I need to go to sleep now. I'm going to lay in my bed until I fall <laughs> fall asleep. So that's actually something that bothers my girlfriend a lot. Is that um, like when we when we wake up. For her, it's like, you know, bringing, it's like raising the dead. It's like, okay, time has taken half an hour, an hour to become conscious. And me, it's just like, I'm awake now. And 
then I go through my day. I'm, you know, a thousand miles an hour doing whatever I'm doing that day. Then when it's like getting to be bedtime, well, first of all, ADHD struggles with uh, dis delayed sleep phase disorder, which is like, okay, my peak hours of operating are probably like maybe 10, 11 a.m. to about two o'clock in the morning. That's my ideal like peak time. If, if I am unregulated, i.e. working from home, then I basically have those sleep hours. Now I have to wake up for work and be up early in the morning, which means, okay, I basically get five hours of sleep a night. I can, I can live with that. Sometimes that's actually fine. I, I actually don't need a lot of sleep. Um, I probably do, but I don't. Anyways. <laughs> I know what uh, you mean. So like when it's bedtime, it's like, okay, I'm in bed, sleep. It's like not even, it doesn't take me a long time to get to sleep. Um, I, I hear that that's not actually a, a commonly a thing that people struggle with is getting to sleep. But at least with ADHD, I, I don't. I just, I lay there and I'm out. And that, you know, makes her mad because then she's like, I'm in bed. It's like half an hour. We need to wind down. I, I want to like, talk and have a conversation. And I'm like, I'm in bed. The bed is for sleeping. I'm asleep. It's like, uh, but I also use like, so like uh, to also better sleep, uh, something that is apparently also helpful for like uh, neurodivergent people is mainly, mainly, I think for um, autism and ADHD is weighted blankets. So I have like a 30 pound weighted blanket that I sleep with. That thing is amazing. It was like $300, but oh my God, it was worth every penny. And I also want to talk about the, the inbox zero and email management. I'm the same way. My tasks can build up. They are never, ever gone. Because every day there's some more, they refresh. But damn it, my email is something that will remain clean. <laughs> I like learned hotkeys. I have rules. I, you know, have um, for like Outlook at work, I wrote like my own VBA program so that I can click a button and then things are filed and moved and archived and whatever. And I keep that stuff spotless. Like if there's something in my inbox, I'm like, need to process, handle it. And it's gone. And I keep that empty for a reason. And that makes it easier for me to keep on top of it. I look at people like I actually I begged my boss to let me help him clean his email because it was like, you have 10,300 unread messages in this inbox. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> my eye twitches. I mean, that, that is one of the reasons I currently have access to 24 different email accounts because every sports team, yeah, every sports team I was on at uni, no one read the friggin' emails. Every like, like club thing I was involved in, no one read their emails. It drove me mad. I was like, no, I, I've got to do this. And when I joined, so I joined, uh, when did I join? I joined uh, a trampoline club um, about, I don't know, two, two or three years into, into uni. Um, and the the person the, the coach that run the club was was far from organ they were an amazing trampoline coach but that was about it their emails it drove me like every time she opened up her phone and i saw the friggin red numbers i was like i can't i can't, oh. do, it. I can't do it just no so we went to a conversation it's also like the overlap with ocd like is there is there you got to be careful with that one though, because I looked at actually watched like a documentary about some of the the actual like severity of OCD. So it's like you don't want to just say like, "Oh, I'm OC I'm so OCD about about this," mm. but at the same point, there is a comorbidity and overlap with ADHD and OCD. So you got to you got to wonder like, mm, am I compulsively like driven to empty this and keep it at zero, or is that just my impulsive nature, or 
it got to the well, it got to the point. It was it was a thing um, where if I saw her phone, like a couple of minutes before I got on the trampoline, all I could think about was how many like that number, whatever the number was that I saw. I was just like, it's eleven thousand five hundred and sixty-three emails there that haven't been read. How have they not been read? And I I needed to like. I, I had to like, right, okay, empty that from my brain. I don't need it. I'm about to do a load of doubles on a trampoline. I really don't need to be thinking about some random inbox number right now. I need to focus on not falling off. Uh, but it was just oh, it was so annoying. We went to a competition. Instead, you're fixated on it. <laughs> exactly. We went to a competition and I said to her, I was like, can I please sort out your email? She was like, they don't need sorting. I was like, you've missed so many emails. And like, it was kind of like a, a joke between like me and the coaches. I was like, you've missed emails. You've forgotten things. You've lost things. I'm like, it's because your inbox is such a mess. But I didn't say that. And I was like, can I just sort them out? I literally spent like four hours. At, we were at the competition floor, trampoline, and you watch a lot of the time. I sat there for like four hours just sorting the emails. Everyone from the other club was like, what is he doing? And my coach was like, sorting my emails out. <laughs> but then you spend four hyper-fixated hours fixing something completely obscure that doesn't really directly affect your life, but you are compelled to do it. Otherwise, you are bothered. Your reality needs to be shaped conforming to the way that you operate or else you are fixated upon it bothered and you need to fix it and literally yes. literally Relatable. within like i went to training after the weekend 50 unread message i'm like are you serious because <laughs> obviously i hadn't I changed just... her habit i was just like i can't do this <laughs> but yeah so she gave me access to the emails and it, it got to the point where every training session, I was like, have you read all the emails in your inbox? She said, yes. And I'd go in, I'd literally click on click on all the ones that were still unread and then turn them to read because she had read them. And I was just like, oh. because she'll, she'll read like the, the brief the highlight preview. on her phone, but never actually click on it. I was like, mm. okay, breathe. Select all, mark is read, please, for the love of God. I use select all like all of the time. It's just... Oh, it's so irritating. But yeah. Okay. Um, I, I saw something in chat that caught my eye and I forgot about it. Like I, I, I was like, oh, I need to talk about that. And then it went off on one. <laughs> um, I got beat by those red badges. I have to, no, it wasn't that one. Maybe it's further up. Uh... Oh no, it, it was that. It was that. Cause I saw anxiety attack at the end uh, and it peaked. It peaked my thought. I was like, what's that? Um, because I, I, I want to say I struggled with because I haven't had an anxiety attack for a long time now, but it doesn't like go away. It's still there. It's just controlling it. Is, is that related in any way to things to do with ADHD, autism, neurodivergent individuals, or is that just something separate that a lot of people struggle with? Um, I don't have any research to definitively say, but I want to say it's probably both. Um, it is definitely its own separate thing to have like anxiety issues, but um, only speaking from my own personal experience, like I, uh, I got my new job now. I started in the beginning of March, but before that, um, I was in a really horrible job that was incredibly like horrible for my like RSD and because like. Honestly, this is one of the issues with having RSD as an ADHD person is that um, because you're so sensitive to basically negative perceptions of yourself, it's not like, I care what people think about me. It's, I care what people think about me. I can't, I don't want to deal with the negative things. 
And so you basically run in the opposite direction from any sort of negative outcomes. So like what this looks like is one, you aged people tend to become people pleasers. We want to be the people that are always making everyone happy so that nobody is unhappy with us. We always really strive for the, you did a good job, Brian. And we want to escape from any sort of negative emotion directed at us or even around us. I don't even want to be around people having negative things because that's really bad. And then I get all self-conscious like, is, did, did, I, did I do it? Is it directed at me? And then because RSD is not necessarily like a logical thing, it's even perceived issues can affect you. It's not like so-and-so is mad at you. It's is so-and-so mad at me? I think they might be. You're perceiving that maybe you're still same effect, same effect, same horrible, sharp pain. And it doesn't matter. It could be perceived. And okay, there you go. Like I said earlier, then I'm done for the day. I'm fried. That's it. And along with people pleasing, this also affected like my own relationships. So just dating. Okay. What happens when you're in a relationship with some, with another human? Maybe you have an argument, right? You know, that's a normal part of a, a healthy relationship. Yeah, you will argue. You could be arguing about what your favorite thing to put on the toast is, or you burned the toast and you argue about, you put the toast in too long in the toaster. Is that a very significant issue to argue about? No. Do people argue about that shit? Yeah. Like, it, okay, whatever. Get over it. It's normal. You're arguing about toast, whatever. It's no, you argue about the toast, you have a freaking meltdown, you decide to run from the issue, and now you're breaking up with the person. Matt doesn't get to like that point, but like what happened with me often was the minute that something negative happened in a relationship, you drop that person like a hot potato and run from the bad feeling. Until I met my current partner, who was honestly the first person who literally like held on to me long enough for me to cool down and realize through enough repetition that, okay, it is okay to have these yes, negative RSD, sharp spikes of emotional pain and conflict to argue, to not feel good all the time. That is normal. It is normal to have these disagreements and arguments. And it took her holding on to me to not run away and caring enough to hold on for me to learn that, okay, yes, this is going to suck more so for me because of this condition, but I can ride through that. It's still going to wreck me for the day, but I can at least in some place in my mind recognize that Okay, we're arguing. It may even be about stupid shit, but we're going to argue. I'm going to feel bad. It's going to ruin this day. It's going to suck, but I can always like co go back to the place of comfort of, okay, I know that this isn't like ruining the relationship. There's always that level of like comfort and stability of like, okay, I know that like my partner still loves me. We're still going to be together and it's, it's okay. We're arguing right now. It's a bad time right now but we'll get through it. I'm still going to be wrecked for the day, but I can, I know that tomorrow is just going to be a different, better day. And um, I forgot where I tensioned it off from that from, but uh, what was that thing that it, they brought up? The oh, anxiety attacks. Okay. Yes. So with, with the bit trying to be the people pleaser, I had that in my job. Okay. Well now if you have a horrible boss and leadership, that's really bad and nobody gets clear direction and then you have expectations, short time frames, no, it, no help, and you're just dropped there, and you want to make people happy, do your job, do it well, please people, do the good, do the good work. But you're set up, your environment is set up for failure. And now you have you see the the example of what happens to people who fail and they're vilified. It's like 
yeah, I basically had a panic attack and just ran out of my my office building off into like the park. Like it was probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had in a job. And yeah, so I, I definitely think that it can be related. Like that doesn't happen to me very often, but yeah, when, uh, it, it was a really bad experience. Yeah, and I can, I can say like from, from my experience anyway, previously struggled like every other week it was it was it was just painful and i went through lots of different therapists i more than this <laughs> it's oh, so many and so many of them i don't know i don't know whether it was just the relation i had with the therapist at the time but i just could not talk to any of them it was just like you're, you're irritating me more than helping me i'm going to leave now <laughs> you're just annoying me you're frustrating me um and most of the stuff they were saying was the same stuff i already knew it was like i know i need to do this thing and you're telling me this thing that I already know I need to do. Like, just, oh, you're so annoying. Uh, but I, 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 when was that? I think it was, it was third year uni. Um, and it was student support. And she said that one of the therapists in there, she said something to me. Then I was like, that kind of makes sense. And she was like, you're not a mind reader. And when I first heard that, I was like, what are you not about? What are you talking about? Of course I'm not. Duh. And she was like, yeah, but you're trying to predict what someone else is thinking about you. And then you're making that thing real because like, oh, they might be thinking this, this is real. And then you react on that. You're like, you're not mind reader. You have no idea what they're thinking. I was like, ah, I see what you're talking about now. Uh, and that was like a massive like switch in my head. I was like, I'm not a mind reader. And how I remember this now to keep myself cool is Megamind. <laughs> I have Megamind in my head. And I'm just like, whenever I hear someone say something or I read something, I'm like, mega mind. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what they actually meant by that thing. Don't get triggered. Um, and it's worked for me somehow. It, it has. Um, and I, since then, since, since you said that to me, I've had the longest fuse. Like, I don't think I've exploded since. Like, at, like I've never exploded at anyone because I, I didn't want to frustrate them or anger them or embarrass them or anything like that. I just didn't do anything. Um, but now, instead of me keeping all that frustration inside here, I was just like, yeah, whatever. And I can like shrug it off um, with, with the power of Megamind. But it was certainly a, a skill I had to learn. I can't do that myself. What, I ha what happens to me is, and what makes you know, arguments even worse with my partner, is that we'll argue about something. And then even if like I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong. I'll apologize. I'll do all that stuff. And, but now I'm hyper fixated on this issue. This issue needs to be solved like a task. Check the box. Okay, we, we, we got through the argument. I, yes, I was wrong. I admit I'm wrong. I apologize for being wrong and for making you feel bad. Can we process this and now move on? Like, yeah. okay, yes, I acknowledge we're done, done. Okay, but we're not done because no, the emotions don't work that way. So then I'm hyper fixated on why don't you feel better now? I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can, we, can we, can we, can we, it's, it's no. And then that makes it worse because now you're bothering them. And so yeah. like, that's been like my hardest thing is that I've had to, I have to let go enough. I'm still going to be bothered. I can't be productive at all when I'm fixated on that type of thing. And I just have to basically just like sit there, let it go. Don't go bother anybody. And just, let it ride its wave and then come back later on. And basically I have to, I've had to learn to try and fight against my hyperfixation on solving the issue in the moment, because that's not how emotional processing works, especially in a relationship with your significant other. And 
a lot of times with it, when it comes to the perceived issues that uh, affect RSD, where you think somebody might be mad at you, and so then you act upon that and try and be the mind reader or whatever. Um, I basically just have just resorted to putting it out in the open, Laura. I just I just ask, like, are you mad at me right now? Whether they give me a truthful answer or not, whether I believe their answer or not is another story. Uh, sometimes that's hit and miss, but it's like the best I've come up with and the best I can do is like, because I, I also struggle with even just understanding and reading people. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm not even a good judge of understanding understanding you, a uh, person, not my partner, but like person. So I'm going to ask, maybe I'll believe your answer, maybe not. But if there's a chance that your answer will alleviate my perceived issue I'm getting from you right now, I'll take it. But I tried that and it actually made it worse because whatever answer I got, <laughs> and then I was like, I don't think I believe you, but I can't ask you about <laughs> me not believing you because I, I already had like that doubt in my head. And when they gave me an answer that I didn't agree with, I was like, I don't think you're telling me the truth. And then when they gave me the answer, I was like, but are you just saying that? <laughs> it was just so frustrating. And I, I tried that for a couple of months because that's one of, one of the suggestions I got. I was like, this is frustrating me more than, <laughs> more than it was originally. Um, which, which is when the, the mega mind, and now I just like throw everything. So, and I realize that there are a lot of situations where I, I, I just misjudge a lot of situations. I just do. And I think other, like everyone does misjudge situations, but I misjudge them. And if I misjudge them and that person gets, this could sound like a harsh approach, but if that person gets triggered or irritated by, by, by me misreading something and then they attack me for it, that's someone I don't want to be around. So I'm like, okay, I don't care. <laughs> that's a really harsh approach, but I'm like, if, if you're going to get triggered by me making a mistake that much, I don't want to be talking to you. Um, it just avoids all the drama. But I did that a lot in the beginning as well. Um, like when I was trying to desperately avoid negative things, I did that, like that toxic positivity thing where you're like, if you're an unhappy person, if you're negative, I'm going to drop you out of my life because I don't want to surround myself with negativity. Of course, you get a little bit old, older, a little bit more mature, and not everyone needs to be positive all the time. But that doesn't mean you should tolerate toxic-ass people. But um, I definitely did a lot of that and still do that sometimes now where, like, yeah, if, if you're a toxic person and if I know that you're incredibly bad for my issues and it's not there's not really enough that can be done to alleviate this or bridge that divide yeah it's not worth maintaining that relationship even if it's family like doesn't matter yeah and i i think like finding that balance is certainly a certainly a challenge so i'm i am curious when it comes to the i don't know the the the, the rabbit holes you go down how do you or do you like monitor them <laughs> Do you, do you like have like a self-regulating right? I'm going down a rabbit hole now. Should I do this or shouldn't I do this? Or should I save this for later? Do you just like head first into it? Uh, I usually can't just save them for later. It's usually like, uh, and and off we go. Here we go. And yeah, so it's yeah. I, I kind of can't. I kind of can't and struggle to control that so it's 
Like I'm supposed to be studying right now, but instead I'm going to write a bash script to open up any sort of obsidian vault or note within a vault from the command line using these utilities. And I'm going to spend the next few hours doing this and oh crap, it's 2 AM and I didn't study at all. And well, oh well. <laughs> so that <laughs> happened last that. week. I love it. Like, oh well. <laughs> and it, it's funny you say that because I am very, very similar. And when I see all these people time blocking, time batching, time boxing, whatever words you want to use, I'm like, that's cool. No, I do. I, my brain just no. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I struggled at school, like getting to lessons. It was funny. Like I, I was the stereotypical kid with like the bag bigger than them because I'm quite small. Uh, like the bag was bigger than them. I'm like sprinting up the stairs like two steps at a time. Got to get to the lesson because like I've completely been distracted by something that's happening. And I'm like, oh, I need to be a lesson. Um, and I like fly in there. I get there just in time, or I get there, or I make sure I'm there front of the line. I'm like, okay, I've got a lesson in ten minutes. I'm gonna get there now. So when I completely divert, I'm in the right place. I then get into the lesson, the first 20 minutes of the lesson, complete waste of time because my brain is like elsewhere. I'm looking out the window, looking at the floor, doodling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I try to time block. It's been one of the most helpful things for me, but that doesn't mean I 100% do or can adhere to it. It's just kind of like the ADHD brains hate, but desperately need structure. So like, that's one of the things like um, that, that I love working from home. I love like having my kitchen with me. I can cook healthier food easier. I don't have to go and go buy things or spend a lot of, you know, executive function energy to prepare meals to then take to my office. I can just go to my kitchen, cook some food. Oh, here are my cats. I can pet my kitty. Okay. And my partner works, actually my partner works with me at my job. So, eh. but she works right behind me. So like everything is here, everything is needed, but it's also, that's not the work environment that is conducive to work, it's home. I'm at home, working, but I'm at home. So that comes with its own issues. I love working from home, but I also now don't have the structure of I'm at work, therefore we are working. Also, I don't have that context switch, that very hard context switch of my morning and afternoon commute of, all right, we're leaving home, commuting to the work context. We are leaving the work context and commuting home. So that lack of structure does like hurt my productivity a little bit, which is why as much as I love remote working and work from home, I still would love at least a couple in-person office days um, eventually. Like I'm not like clamoring for it, but yeah, I just forgot my train of thought from where I started this thought from. Where did I, start? I don't know. My brain went into context switching and then I was, I was like down a, I went, I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay, I guess we can just move on because I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was down a rabbit hole of context switching when because when, when you said that I was like okay thinking I I, I thought in my head you oh. you have the metaphor of putting different hats on do you want to go with it because I've got this in my head. Yeah, uh, time blocking. So uh, yeah, I, I try to time block, but if I don't stick to it, I just move my blocks around to the next day or something. That sometimes that hurts, but you know I do my best to bit to build structure and stick to it, but that doesn't mean it's a hundred percent there. Oh, thanks, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, my, my brain went to, to context switch, and I was because when when I was playing football, and well, when I was active in sport, I was playing football, athletics, handball, trampoline, and then 
other bits and bobs here and there but i was also refereeing sport and i had to have like different hats on whenever i was refereeing because i like okay i'm refereeing football i'm not playing football so i'm no longer a player i'm a referee and an official looks at the game different to a player uh, and i had to have like a, a mental hat switch like metaphoric hat switch um mm. and and being at home probably because i've never really like school you had lessons but i didn't really treat them as lessons because i <laughs> A lot, of the, a lot of the work we were told to do in class, I just did. Like As soon as they set the task, I was like, I'll do the task. And then I never asked for extension and my brain just wandered. So it, it was never really a structured lesson. It was a, I'm going to wander. They're going to give us tasks. I'm going to do the task and then wander again. Um, and that was my whole school day. And then higher education, that's literally what you do. You, <laughs> you go to a lecture and they just talk about the presentation that they sent you beforehand. Everyone else in class hasn't read the presentation. So they just reread the presentation. Like, I've already done this. I'm going to think about something else. Um, that was my experience anyway. <laughs> uh, so my brain has always been going elsewhere. So I've never really needed to to context switch that hard, uh, like specifically, because my brain just goes, I'm bored of this thing. We're going to do this now. <laughs> and that's what I, I can't do that with my career. I need sometimes you need those context switches. But then also you run into the issue of uh, just like with uh, software development. Thankfully, my boss realizes this just in general with people. But um, Context switching is like the the bane of productivity because even for neurotypical people, constantly switching them out of context, like, all right, you're deeply focused on a software issue that's deep embedded in the systems and the code and you're you know building all these abstractions in your head. There's a great uh, XKCD comic about this, about how somebody's like showing like their thought, the thought bubble of the person is, is filling with shapes and structures and things and as they're conceptualizing the abstractions of code and what's going on in the software. Somebody's like, hey, knock, knock on your cube. So what do you think about lunch today? Poof. That all this stuff just goes away because now we're in the context of thinking about lunch and, and communicating with this person or the, going to this meeting or answering this email when instead you were in the context of I'm dealing with software issue, building up the abstractions in my head and thinking about how to solve this problem. So that it's like that, but to the 10th power for ADHD brains because we're already struggling with um, one, the impulsivity with issues of, all right, I want to do this thing. I want to do that thing. Or now we're hyper fixated. And so now if we're hyper fixated on that software issue, it's not only dangerous to our productivity to context switch to conversation, but it is also almost painful and can, for at least for me, inspire irrational anger with emotional uh, dysregulation, because now I've been interrupted in the middle of my my dopamine flow of like hyper fixating on this thing that I'm interested in and I'm deep in this and now you've interrupted me. So not only am I now no longer as productive because now I have to you know switch out, but with ADHD and most people, it takes like, you know, sometimes they say 20 minutes to completely and fully context switch to another context. I feel like it's even longer for ADHD. Like sometimes it takes me an hour or more to really get into a context, like especially like software. So when I'm interrupted like that, it'll make me irrationally angry. Like there's no reason to be angry about it. It sucks. It's it, you shouldn't be interrupted in, in in like that just flippantly. But I will get angry about stuff like that sometimes, and that is not great. But that's what happens. And it's like, thankfully. Um, my boss cares about like communication style. So it's like, I need like literally like a time block. If you're going to have me work on something complex and that requires deep thought and abstractions, like 
if you're going to have meetings, like put them at one port, one point of the day, beginning of the day, end of the day, doesn't matter, but give me like a protected four hour block of time where nobody bothers me. And I'm just there, you know, tackling an issue and playing with code and moving stuff around. And if I'm completely unbothered, I will be more productive. Like I can do more in that four hours than I could do in an eight hour workday. If I'm constantly interrupted by emails and meetings, which thankfully in my current job, like, Oh my God, people understand this. So it's like, Hey, I'll be able to be more productive now. Yeah. I see a couple of people in chat. Like, yes, uh, I get so angry. Yeah. Lindsay's saying she gets angry too. And then Kim was saying context, which is a big issue. It's interesting you say that. Cause I wouldn't say I'm like different, but my brain can't, it struggles to focus on something completely without going elsewhere. Like for example, today I was writing a script, uh, a script for a video. Uh, it's coming out at some point next week, eventually. Um, but I was writing the script and that is what I was like. I was focused on that script, but every time I came up with something, uh, a comment, a joke or anything, or something in my mind for whatever reason went off, I went down that rabbit hole for like five, 10 minutes and then came directly back and then carried on with the script as if I'd never left. And I was, I was doing that constantly. So writing the script normally would take uh, 20 minutes, half an hour, but instead it took me like two hours because I was going like off elsewhere, but the going off elsewhere, I was actually doing things that I needed to do um, or, or finding things in future. So I've got like, I got some different ideas. I found out something else like that related to the video that I could put in later on. So it was related, but wasn't directly related to the script. And yeah, my brain just can't, I don't know. I don't know. So that could just be a difference. Like if you are just undiagnosed and you actually have the, the disorder, it could just be that your presentation is different because there are different domains and presentations of uh, the behavior and disorder. So it could be that uh, for me anyways, if I'm like, you know, in the middle of that hyper-focused block, being un uninterrupted and, you know, plugging away at it. Well, if I, you know, do the typical thing where I put off, like, I'll forget to eat for nine hours. Like, I will just, my stomach might be like, but I'll, I will, it'll be so far in the back of my mind that it literally does not bother me. And I just don't even pay attention to it. And, oh, nine hours, I haven't eaten today. Oh, my stomach is hungry. But the same thing, but that, but with, you know, going to the bathroom. So it's like, I'll sit there until I can't do it anymore. And I'll be walking to the bathroom, still like thinking about my abstraction, uh, going to the bathroom, get back to my desk. Okay. Back in. But like, I never left. I'm, I, I can still go do that eventually when it's literally too hard to ignore, but I'll still the whole time I'll be, I'll be in that, that mental space. Just nobody talk to me while I'm doing that. Cause then that's the interruption. So it, it's it. See, this is why people don't understand how exhausting it is to manage your life this way and have to be operating this like this and constantly thinking and moving, shifting, prioritizing and strategizing about how to just manage yourself in that context or any context in life. Managing yourself takes so much energy that something as simple as a brief interruption, well, now it's like you just it's like building a, a bunch of playing cards, building a castle out of playing cards. It's like somebody just walks up and just blows on it and then knock it all down. You're just like, <clears throat> irrational anger. And <laughs> that, but also the effort it takes to mask. This is something that I didn't actually start thinking about until fairly recently. Um, I think probably because of ADHD TikTok, but masking, like 
even in our conversation, you've probably seen me do like this, like where I'm looking at, at you're talking and I'm like, like that, that cue, that social cue of like, yes, I am actively listening. Yes, I am. If we were in person, yes, I'm making eye contact. I'm actively listening. That takes effort, like because those social cues performing the dance of conversation like that does not come naturally to me. It doesn't. If it was me just having a conversation, I'd just be like this. Mm -hmm. I'd just Complete. be, you know, but I wouldn't even be looking at your eyes. I would. We wouldn't be making eye contact, um, which is why it's also helpful. Like I'm basically just watching myself talk on the screen, but. What happens is that if I'm distracted by making eye contact, looking at your face, monitoring your reactions, and maybe even also doing a social cue, like, yeah, mm, nod, yes, or mm-hmm, those, those social cues literally take effort to remind myself to do that, to then take the action. I'm also being distracted by the visual input of your face and your own emotional reactions and reading that. Am I, oh, is, is, are they mad at me? You know, perceive things like all of this stuff is churning in the brain while you're talking to me. So if I'm trying to understand what you're talking to me and be an active listener and, and engaged and participant in this conversation, then I'm all this other energy is being expended on all these background processes like your computer. You have the application up, but what's going on in the background? That's like the constant attention churn in the back of your head, taking up all of your focus. And so what often makes people upset, especially like my grandparents who took forever to realize this, is that if they're talking to me and I'm being an active listener, I'm not even looking at them. I'll be like over here, like, like you, so you probably seen me do this in the stream already, where you're talking and I'm like, like this, I'm not looking at you. I'm not looking at me. I'm 100% focused on the auditory input coming into my, my earphone and that's how it has to be. So I can't be distracted by the visual input. I'm completely focused on the auditory input. And what makes them people mad is that that is not how neurotypical people converse. They are constantly like eye contact. They, they activate the mirror neurons that mean like you're nodding your head. I'm nodding my head. Yes, we mirror each other's body language. That is how neurotypical people interact. Mirror neurons, social cues, things are going on. It's constant action. But for them, it's more unconscious. For me, it's not. I have to remind myself, yes, I should nod here. I should say, mm-hmm, or do something. Or it's me constantly reining in my, don't interrupt, write it down, okay, but, but don't interrupt. All of that stuff takes time, energy, focus, and attention. And when you when you mask, that takes energy, attention, and focus. And that's that's the whole point, is that if it's just me interacting with somebody else, if they can at least understand my communication style, like my grandpa, who got unbelievably frustrated with me all the time because he thinks I'm not listening. But when he's like, it's like this, like, okay, he's talking, he's talking. Like, are you even listening to me? It's like, yes. And let me repeat verbatim what you said to me. And it's a freaking paragraph that I can recall directly from memory. Here's everything you said to me verbatim. And he's just like, oh, okay. Same thing with my partner, my girlfriend. It took, it took a long time um, because she like never had like interacted with somebody like this is that if I'm an active listener in the conversation, I'm likely not looking at you or interacting with you in what you expect to be a neurotypical type of conversation. If I'm actively listening, I'm likely not even looking at you. So when she would she would get upset the same way, like, are you even listening to me? I would repeat back to her everything she said verbatim. And she's like, oh. So it's finally like you got to the point where, okay, she understands. 
and she knows I'm listening because then after she's done talking and it's like, okay, it's your per your portion to be an active participant. You repeat something back. You say some relatable comment. She's like, yeah, and so-and-so just said this stupid thing to me today and it was really dumb and so-and-so, the, the, this happened. And I'm like, yeah, that is pretty dumb that they said that. And like, so it probably made you feel like that or, you know, some conversation thing. But like, I I'm an active participant, but that comes from the way that I communicate. And that is something that people don't understand and really take the wrong way. But if I'm going to be active, if I'm not going to wear myself out from masking, that is how I converse. And man, does it throw people. <laughs> something I will, I, will, I will add to that is I'm similar, but because of my hearing, the, those conversations are so hard because sometimes I don't hear people. I legitimately just don't hear them. And I mean, I, I don't know whether you'd experience this, but everyone that I've spoken to that is either half deaf or hard of hearing, when someone says it doesn't matter, oh, yes, it does. Because I didn't hear what you said. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> if I didn't hear you, but you said something to me, repeat it. Um, and then I, I was going to say selective hearing. I, for, for me, I kind of have like in my head this this process, even with only one working ear. When people say stuff, there are some stuff that they say, I'm just like, ah, irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. That bit's useful. And I sort of like, just remember that one bit, um, which is kind of what I do with videos as well. When I'm watching videos at the times too, so I'm like, okay, most of this video is a load of tut. I'm just going to remember this, <laughs> this one point they made. I was like, that's a good point. Um but selective hearing is—is is that something that that you do, or do you just remember everything that you that you hear? Um, working memory is a, a hallmark issue of ADHD. So, like things like somebody's name or phone numbers, like in one ear, out the other, uh, I'll remember faces, no problem. But um, when it comes to those short little details, working memory is horrible. Um, so I won't usually be able to recall like that entire conversation unless it's like literally right in the moment. But um, I think that's actually a different thing entirely than uh, selective hearing. Cause selective hearing is kind of like somebody's talking to you and you're not listening at all until they say something that's like, ah. So yeah. that is not really a thing because if I'm actively listening, I'm gonna do the strategies I just said before. Yeah. But um, I will get selective hearing when it's like somebody's not talking to me and it's background noise. And that's when it's like they, they steal my focus from whatever I'm looking on. So if I'm in the office and somebody says like the name of a project or assignment that I have, I might be like, what's yeah. going on over there? Well, that just immediately takes my focus. That's bad because context switching and everything I said about that. So what I have to do for that type of thing usually is I don't want that to occur. And that's why I usually hundred percent of the time I'm in like an office or a public space, I'm wearing like noise canceling headphones and playing something in that, like uh, a, a form of music that is either lyricless or in a language I can't understand. Because if then, if it's not in English or a language I can understand, then it's not likely to, you know, cause my brain to start making sense, stringing sentences together, following the words because the words don't make any sense to me. So if it's like a foreign language type of music or like classical or non-lyrical music, then Just that becomes my white noise. Yep. Yep, classical music and then uh, foreign foreign language music is what I listen to primarily when I'm at work and my headphones are on 100% of the time. Yeah, I, I, I can't work in complete silence, but because I'm always talking, there's never complete silence. When I'm, <laughs> like, I'm always talking to myself, so there, there's always feedback, which is why I struggled so hard at school. Like in IT, working through a problem, 
I couldn't talk out loud because I put the person off next to me. But I wasn't allowed to listen to music because you can't focus with music on in your ears at school. Well, I can't work without something going on. Um, so whenever the teacher left and everyone was noisy, that's when I got most of my work done. I was like, there's noise. I, I can work now. So that's like when it's that's when it's like uh, kind of like Russian roulette or like playing roulette in general is that, OK, yes. If it's just enough noise, if there's if there's enough noise and it's just it just becomes part of the background and it's white noise. So there's no you're not picking anything out of it. Yeah, I could focus, too, in that context, a busy classroom where you're not allowed to wear headphones. But what happens sometimes in that case is that then somebody says something that get that picks my selective hearing and then I'm yanked out of whatever I was able to focus on in that moment. And that is horrible when it comes to silence. I need absolute silence to focus on something. I won't talk to myself. I would need absolute silence and I can focus with that. But how often do we ever actually get absolute silence? That is why I pick my headphones. Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can work with silence, but I would just talk. <laughs> I just, I just can't work without, I struggle. I shouldn't say can't. I struggle to work uh, without talking to myself. It's just I mean, those people that have seen me on stream trying to troubleshoot things. I'm sitting there. I will repeat myself over and over and over and over again, just saying the same words, just troubleshooting that in my head. Because I, I, I struggle just sitting there going, I'm going to solve this problem. I have to work through in some way. And my brain will go off in loads of different directions. And <laughs> it's funny when, when I was in math, and doing doing some problems i'd be talking out loud but my brain would be doing different things i'd be like adding numbers together and and doing some equation of something somewhere and then so i'd be like talking and i'll get the answer the person next to me like no you you it's this i'm like yeah that's what i got but you if said they did that. that to me if they did that to me that would yank me out of my context because whatever process i'm working on like that with you that would be annoying to me like i'm doing my thing over here I'm processing things the way I can process and understand and do. And then you're like interrupt because you think you know what I'm doing and you don't. And then it's like, what? I, it, it irritated me. But a lot of the time when, when they, they said, oh, it's this, not that, they, they, they had the right answer to what I said. It, it was like, uh, oh, there was, there was an example. I said it in class and it like, for some reason, the teacher caught it. It was like, what are you doing? That's not right. Whatever it was. I think, I think it was like 10. Yeah, it was 10 add four and I made it 24. Uh, and someone next to me was like, what are you doing? That's, that's 14. And I was like, oh, cause I'd already added something else on. It was, it was algebra. It was like an X somewhere that meant something. So I'd, I'd sort of done the processes in my head. But out loud, I'd said 10 out of 4 is 24 because I'd done like the next bit. And, and the comment, I was like, yeah, but I got the right answer. <laughs> and it, it took like this whole process working out what they'd done. I was like, oh, oh okay. Because it, it's just the process, the way I work. So right. before you go to the Lizzie's comment here, something I thought I just thought of that was really interesting. I'm not sure if this is related to anything or is it just you know something that's very me. But like when I'm working through like a software problem or something like that, or some problem that you know I have to do a lot of like abstraction or think about things, I will literally think visually. So I'll be saying sometimes nonsensical things, but it makes sense to me. Or just like, like it's not even words, it's just noise. It's like, it doesn't even matter. But I'll literally be thinking and like vi and visualizing shapes or things in front of me and like moving them around to make sense of a mental problem. And for some reason that works for me like really well about stuff sometimes. 
I'll be thinking about like how um, some data is moving between like a different data structure and a language or something. And I'll be like, okay, there's oh yeah yeah okay yeah. people think i'm freaking nuts but it you know it <laughs> yeah. works so it's <laughs> I, I i sometimes i feel like if i was to put a camera up there and just like not acknowledge the camera is up there and just <laughs> if someone was to poke a camera through my wall and me not know about it and just show like okay this is this is what he works like by himself it's not just <laughs> he he is actually this mad um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's uh, we, we'll get to this in a second, Lizzie. A couple of people that have had meetings with me, like Zoom calls, are like, "You're just like in your videos." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm just like in my videos. Same. I don't have the effort to do to to put on a persona. I'm just this, this is what you get. <laughs> exactly. If if you don't like me, tough shit. <laughs> It's less effort for me to maintain a persona to just to be myself. So like, if you don't like me, then you know that you just don't like me. So there you go. It's not even what you see is what you get. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And that's why I've started making the funny videos because they're fun for me. They're enjoyable to make. And just like, if you don't like me, go away. Kind of. Um, <laughs> it's my approach. Um, so Lizzie, let's actually get to this question that was asked a while ago. <laughs> Can I, can, uh, I can be hyper-focused and when someone interrupts me, I'm so derailed, I cannot manage any high-level task anymore. Do you also have this? Well, so, sort of covered that, but do you want to, do you want to answer? Uh, all caps. Yes. <laughs> That's like the, why the irrational anger happens is that, yeah, I've been derailed and I was operating at like a level 90 over here. I'm operating at that high. And then somebody interrupts me. And now it's like, you're not getting above 50 now. Like you've just, <clears throat> and now that, that made me angry. Like I was, I was in the flow state. I'm flowing. I'm getting my, my dopamine's going. I'm, I'm getting productive. And then interruption. <clears throat> Why? <laughs> so, yeah. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's so, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I, I relate to in some contexts, but the majority of the time, because my brain doesn't really leave it, it's, <laughs> I've done this so many times, like my parents hate me for it, but they'll knock at the door, I'll go, yes, they'll say something, I will respond, and then they'll go downstairs, and my brain has not left what I'm doing, but I've just... <laughs> I've made an appropriate response and then like something will happen later on like but we asked you this I was like I don't remember <laughs> so I don't yeah, remember that I was just, my brain didn't didn't switch um, um so my parents have kind of learned that if if I'm not completely disengaged with whatever it is I'm doing whatever answer I give is the answer that gets them away the quickest <laughs> my my partner's had to struggle with this as well because um Oh my god! It's almost—it's a joke between us now, but she knows I hate it. The when we're in, when I'm in a context like I'm working, and during my work hours, I'm in the work context. If you ask me, "Hey, what do you want for dinner?" That's not the work context. That's the after work dinner context. That box isn't pulled out of the closet right now. Right now, the box open is the business box. <laughs> Why are you asking me that? And. Oh my god! It's, 
So th- this is something that I, oh, I even still to this day, I really struggle with food overlapping. Like if, if, if like carrots were with broccoli or the meat was with a carrot or there was like a pea on, I was like, no, that's, it's not, it's not in its part of the plate. I didn't need a separate, I just, I just needed like a clear, like these are broccoli, these are carrots, these are meat. I can't have them crossing. They, they just don't. And when people put gravy over everything, and it, no, they, they're separate things. <laughs> I'm the exact same. Everyone's like, why do you separate everything on your plate? It all goes to the same place. And I'm like, I don't care. It's different going down. <laughs> and I, str- I, struggled, <laughs> I struggled for so long. Like people are like, why didn't, why didn't you just have this with that? I'm like, no, I eat the broccoli as broccoli. I eat the carrots as carrots. Like putting them on the same fork was it just not. No, I, I eat the broccoli, then I eat the carrots, then I eat the meat, or whatever order it is. I, I broccoli and carrot on the same fork? No, just no. See, I, <sighs> I am convinced you have you have ADHD. I'm convinced, man. <laughs> oh, it, it, oh, it's just so annoying. And I feel like my dad even does it to wind me up. He'll like he'll put one P, like even like earlier, we were watching the football downstairs. He put a P. On my pork, I was just like, and the first thing I did was move the pee off. <laughs> I'm not going to eat anything, not going to touch anything. The pee has to come off of there. Just can't, no. Uh, mm. And then same with the gravy. Like, it's even got to the point, like, because, because like, changing the amount of food on the plate, whatever it is, I don't put the gravy on the plate until there's enough space on the plate for the gravy not to hit the other stuff. I... I I don't like soggy broccoli, so I'm going to eat the broccoli first, then put the gravy on the meat so the gravy doesn't get on the broccoli. It's just just the way it is, okay? <laughs> don't expect there to be logic. <laughs> Thankfully, my my partner usually can... She usually tries to meet me halfway when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Like, uh, she understands that a lot of my issues make a lot of things difficult, or she'll try and, like, you know, work around it a little bit. And so sometimes uh, we, we actually, I guess it's a, kind of like a couple thing, or maybe it's just like a, something that, that we, like we do, like we name things. So like I put a name to it. So like whenever I'm having like a lot of issues with something or ADHD issues, I just, that that's Phil. I think of Phil as like, you know, that like 40 plus year old disgusting man living in his mom's basement. Like it's just, it's just an unpleasant dude. And that's, that's like my, my ADHD issues. Like that's Phil. So we actually, uh, I'm going to send you the link in the private chat here, but I, we got these little um, octopus plushies. Like they're kind of like a Instagram is like the ads on Instagram are just like shooting these to everybody. But um, we got these each. So that way, if we're feeling like um, we're having like negative emotions or something, and you know oftentimes like i'll be feeling something and then i don't have the effort to verbalize that and i don't want to talk but i do want to convey that i'm feeling something but i'm not i don't think it is as severe as like something called selective mutism where you literally can't talk it's just like to talk takes so much effort that i just uh don't just don't talk to me just don't just don't talk to me right now like give me a few minutes I just, but I don't even want to say that. It's like, I can't even explain that I don't want to talk because that's talking. So we've got these, these little like um, double-sided octopus things. Yeah. So that way, if one of us is feeling a negative thing, 
we just flip the octopus and we each of them have it has a name so like for mine the unhappy side is phil and the happy side is something else and so we just it's kind of like a cutesy little couple thing but it's effective like with adhd or autistic kids like sometimes it's just these simple little like toy gamified things that does make things a little easier and so we use that and uh it's helpful a lot when, because she tries to you know work around my issues a lot of times or i tell her straight up like um, you're asking me this right now, like maybe, uh, maybe like the dinner thing, um, things like that. But like, you're asking me about dinner right now. It's like, okay, uh, I'm in this right now. Let me, can, can I answer that in like an hour or so or whatever? And she'll usually like be helpful and like meet me halfway with that. Like, yeah, sure. And just like, I'm on this right now. Let me do this. And then I'll, I'll get to that. And she lets me like control my context switching instead of like, Hey, I know you're in the middle of this really intensive task right now. Can you go take out the trash? So thankfully, that helps. <laughs> I see that you got something that you need to get out. Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, very quickly, can I put the link in the chat, yeah? Absolutely, yes, please. Yeah. I just saw a confirm with that one. And yes, those those things, like the, the, the house chore thing, or the, the, can you walk the dog? Can you do this? I'm like, if, you, if you've asked me to walk the dog, I will walk the dog. But if I if I have or haven't walked the dog, I'm 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 going to I'm, I'm either going to do it, or I haven't done it yet, or I've already done it. You do, you don't need to come in and check. It's it, I won't forget it. It's there. It's it's in my head. Either I've deliberately chosen not to walk the dog for a reason, or I've already walked the dog, or I'm going to walk the dog in a minute. You don't need to check. Just leave me alone. <laughs> and I have the biggest problem when. You tell me to do something. I'm not the type that will forget it because now it's like, okay, I have a, I have a new task. I add it to Todoist. I have a timer. I'm not going to forget it. I never forget anything because I manage myself with software. So I'm not going to forget it. So what's the problem? You think I haven't done it and I'm not going to do it because it hasn't gotten done yet on your time frame. So what used to happen all the time, mom is like, hey, can you do the dishes? Sure. That doesn't mean I'm going to drop what I'm doing right now and do them now. So in a half hour or in an hour, because they're not done, don't get mad, do them and then do that whole, like, I'm going to do them. I'm going to be mad at you the whole time and just be mad because you didn't do them. It's like, I didn't do them yet. <laughs> just because like, you wanted me to do them doesn't mean I'm going to drop everything in my life to do them on your time frame. <laughs> now, now this is something interesting because with, with, with the washing the dishes, right in my head. So when I moved out, in my head, there is no point me setting like getting a bowl, like doing all the washing up and stuff for like a bowl and a spoon. Like I don't see the point. So I put the bowl on the spoon on the side, and then I had lunch, and that was like a chopping board and a knife. And then that go on the side. And then I'd have dinner. And then it'd be all the stuff from dinner. And then I'd wash it up at the end of the day. My parents are like, You haven't washed up from breakfast. No, why why would I spend like 10 minutes washing two things up when I know I need to do the washing up again in like three hours? It, that just doesn't make sense. I will wash it up, just not right now. <laughs> like even even now, like now we've got a dishwasher, so I'm, like, I'm just gonna put it in the dishwasher and solve it. But it's just like I don't understand why I would do washing up three times in the day when it's just the same process. It just wastes time. And it, oh, it was just so annoying. So annoying. I'm actually the opposite in a way. So like what happens with me is people will like, like when I was living with my mom, it was the whole family lets dishes build up in the sink. And so if I'm like, called to do them, 
that's like now it's one of those executive function mountains to, to climb. It's not a little hill versus like, okay, if I have a bowl and a spoon from breakfast, it's just a very quick wash, wash, put it over there to the drying rack. So that's easy. That's a little hill for me. So for me, I'm the opposite is that I want to do it when it's a very little task to take on, get it accomplished. Now it's like, oh, I finished a little task. I have some more momentum now. I'm on a roll. So that's, that's easier for me than to, oh, we accidentally let this build up for a few days. Now the sink is full of dishes. And now this is an involved 30 to 45 minute task that is unpleasant. So it's already hard to begin. So that's like how I'm actually the opposite from you in that respect. Interesting. Yeah, I would, because starting, starting doing something that isn't inherently fun is just not a pleasant experience. So I'd mm. much rather start it once, do it and get it done and start it three times. <laughs> and versus I'd rather just stay in the flow and I just like, yeah. hey, if it's just, you know, very quick, okay, we're done. I'm Then it's very little time. I'm not interrupted. It's something as quick as like, okay, I'm still thinking of just, okay. And I'm back over here because it was very minimal effort. But if it's too much, dinner took a lot of dishes and it's a very bigger, it's a much bigger undertaking, then it's likely to then snowball and then become a bigger issue later on that requires a larger amount of executive function to tackle. And it's like, again, it's this constant dance where you're just like, this is all this shit takes so much energy. Ah. Exactly. I, I completely feel you. And uh, was it Lizzie? Yeah, it was Lizzie. Um, and uh, and I will say, um, when e even, even though we are currently on my channel, uh, I believe I have the link in the description. The next streams will be on the second channel, just as like a heads up while everyone is still here. This the next like the streams next week and well from now onwards will be on the second channel. Link in the description. So I will still put a community message on this channel, but the community tab isn't shown to everyone. So just like a heads up, keep an eye on that channel. Um, while while I remember, I was meant to say at the beginning of the stream, but completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and on your terms. I think that is something, I, I don't know whether it's a, a neurodivergent thing, but a lot of people like having like control or at least perceived control of what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things I just, I, so I, I like having this with work. With work is if, if I'm going to do something, I need to do it in my way because that's how I best operate and understand things. If I'm walking into somebody else's mess, it's just too, too much for me. So what happens sometimes for me is like, if I walked into a software project, which happened um, at the, the brief layover job I had between the bad one and now my amazing one, it was a, a really good, a, a good job where I took on this software project where I need to you know, refactor this script. And so I'm like rereading this and I'm like, no, I had to rewrite the entire thing and then add the features that they wanted, that they actually wanted. So it was, no, I, it needs to be done in my way or close enough in a way that I can deal with that I don't have to rewrite it. But like, that's how I, I best understand that is it has to be on my terms because I can't function if it's not, or at least just not close to it. And so if like with my girlfriend and our house stuff, it's like, okay, I understand that you don't like that I'm doing something in a particular way. And it's like one of those weird couple things. Like, why are you washing the dishes that way? You're not doing it right. It's like, first of all, there's no right way to wash dishes, but like, it's as also long like, as it's clean. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing this my way. I'm doing it the way that I understand and do things. Just let, just let me do things my way. They're getting done. 
That's what you care about, right? You care about it being done. So let me let me just let me do it my way. Let me do it. <laughs> and it's like that for like a lot of things. It's just like, just let me operate in my little world the way that I know how to function best. And that's that's really what it comes down to is let me shape my environment as much as I can to be more conducive to a better, happier, more productive life for myself. That's the best way I can operate. So I don't know whether this is like a, a UK term or an England term or something, but cack handed. Like, I don't know where it's come from, but when, when you do something cack handed, it's like, it's not the most obvious way to do something. So like when you hold a knife and fork, if you hold it like that, it's just like cack handed. It still works. It just doesn't work in like the way that whoever said it, like that's cack handed because it's not the way they do it. Um, and my dad says that to like me all that, like I, I eat with my fork in my right hand, knife in my left handed, like, so right-handed or left-handed, whatever way it is, but it's different to them. And like, you eat so cack-handed. I'm like, no, it's just different. Um, and whenever I'm doing anything, whether it's like washing the dishes or putting stuff, like I do it in a way that my body allows me to do it. Uh, and I, it, that term in, in my head is just so annoying. It's like, so cack-handed. No, it's just different from the way you you do it. Like, it, it's not wrong. It's just... Oh. Neurodivergent. Yep. <laughs> uh, we are we're closing in on we are hitting two hours. Wow. Wow. Okay, two hours. There we go. Boom. Um I, I don't know how long you've got, but I know I know your day is normally fairly busy. So I'm six weeks ahead on videos. I'm good. My girlfriend isn't even home yet, so we don't even have to go shopping yet. So I'm good to go. <laughs> I love that. My girlfriend's not home. I don't have to go shopping. Yes. <laughs> the one so I'm learning uh it, here's my eclectic interest. I'm learning two languages right now, not programming, but like languages. So I'm learning Norwegian, but I'm also learning my girlfriend's native language, which is a very like small, obscure ethnic group language. And the one of the first things she taught me was because I hate going shopping. I hate going to stores. I get bored. So like, I, I hate shopping. And the first thing she taught me how to say was uh, like, one of the first things was, I don't want to go to the store. <laughs> And so now I'll just, she'll like uh, say, all right, uh, you want to go with me? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to go to star. No. <laughs> I, it's, it's funny. Like when, when I had to shop for myself, like when I moved out, shopping was such a quick thing. It was like, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know exactly where I'm going. And I will literally speed around a shop. I'm going to get that, get that, get that, get that, get that done. Like I pay and I'm out the shop and I'm back home. Then I went like shopping with my parents and I'm like, why are you looking at that? Why are you looking at that? We don't need that. We don't need more. Can we just go now? It's like, this takes so long. <laughs> I just want to get in and out. Absolutely. What I used to do, like, this is how, like, I'm just going to say, like, this is how like anal I used to be about this type of stuff is I know exactly what on my, what's on my list. I plan my meal. I know what I'm going to get. I know every ingredient. I know how much of the ingredient I will then even lay out the list based on, okay, this section of the store, this section, and I will make my efficient route for minimal backtracing. I just, if I, I'm gonna make a circle, go through the lanes, and in order of the lanes, because I remember exactly what's in each lane, what things are where, I will write my list so that I can just do a single streamlined route, end up at the cash register with all my shit, pay for it, and leave, and I will be maximum efficiency. Then enter my partner into my life, and it's just like, we're going to go over here. We're going to go over there. Oh, we forgot that. Okay, we're going over here. We're going to go over there now. It's like, ah! Yes. I mean, so what happens? But what happens with that is that I've learned to come to terms with it because what happens is that then 
yes, if I'm efficient, I will get only what I need. But often it's like, okay, well, now I'm hungry for something I don't have. I want a snack or something. And she's the brilliant one who, because we meandered, we came across stuff, we grabbed some extra things that weren't on the list. And now we have a more like wholesome amount of things in the fridge versus like only the strictly planned stuff. And so that's how I'm like, okay, I, yes, I can relax on this. And, hmm, but sometimes it's just like, I just want it to. Yeah. I mean, I, so all the shops near us, obviously we got like, I was going up and down. I knew what was in what aisle and what came up first. So I always, I just had to do it. I had to go up and down every aisle. So like the, the Asda store that's like basically like five minutes that way, like you, you go in, you've got the clothes on the left, which I never went to because who needs to buy more clothes? <laughs> they had like the cards and the toys, which I never went to unless there was like, I needed it. And then it was just the aisles. So I always went to like the top, the top ones first. I went up and down all the way along. And then I went up and down all the way back. And then I went to the tills closest to the door. That, that It was just how I did it. And the list was in the order of like going, going down and coming back. And I always went past everything. And I was always like looking, but I was like, do I need anything? No, nothing really grabs my attention. And then picked up what I needed and then carried on. So I always saw everything in the store, but I only really paid attention to what I needed. Mm. Most of the time, the only thing that really grabbed my attention was the reduced stickers. <laughs> if something's reduced, I'm like, oh, what is that? Could I get that? <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but oh here. I I like this this question from Polly. The this is something that's really interesting is that I so like because I'm on YouTube and I have my basically I have a YouTube digital content creator business. Ha ha ha. So because of that, I because of the way I think. I think other people are thinking the way I think and operate. So this is like a really sort of weird thing where I think that something might not be effective from a business standpoint because it's not effective on me. I am basically unaffected by advertising completely. So if I get an advertisement for something or a, a product, a service, it's almost like, yes, I can see your sales copy here. I can see that you're appealing to my emotion or my sense of, you know, inspiring fear or a, a lack of self-confidence about something or like I can see the psychological motives they put into advertising or I can just recognize like yes this is an advertising you have a testimonial here did you just pay that person I've seen people paying people for Amazon reviews like none of this shit is effective to me at all so advertising is basically ineffective I'm still an impulsive purchaser because of ADHD but that's on things that I already know I want like I want them for a reason not because of advertising. So advertising is useless to me, which means that I'm like, okay, if these types of typical business approaches that are obviously effective because it's a billion dollar industry plus whatever, that doesn't mean it's not effective for other people. So from a business standpoint, I operate a lot of things like the way that it would work on me or for me, but not other people. And so like, that's a really weird thing. And to actually relate it to your question, my girlfriend, is a slave to advertising. She's like, I saw this ad. I really want this thing. It really, it's really nice. I, I saw it here. I saw it there. I watched this ad. I'm like, I straight up tell her like, you're a slave to advertising, because she's like, doesn't this make you want this? Like, no, not at all. Why do I need that? I have no need for that. I have don't care about this. It's it's a it's a poor advertisement, anyways. So <laughs> if it comes to a better brand, if it wasn't for her trying things. 
and getting me over time more comfortable with like, okay, I should try other things. I basically, because of executive dysfunction, the, the friction and energy required to make a choice is I would just default to things that take no choice, basically to always defaulting to the path of least resistance. So um, like people like big names, I just saw actually like a, I'm not sure how accurate it is, like something about Mark Zuckerberg only having one kind of shirt. So it's not a choice. You only have one kind of shirt. So you just grab that shirt. It's not only one of them. It's just a bunch of them that are the exact same shirt. Well, now it is one less choice you have to make. You don't have to decide what shirt to wear. It's like that, but applied to everything. So you basically are on autopilot for anything. Why did you do that, Brian? That's the way I've always done that. It's my habit. Yeah, that's that in outside of a work context. I hate that in work context, but in basically in my managing my personal life, I have the same shirts, I have the same socks, I have the same routines, the same habits, the same foods, and it's a very bland and an annoyingly bland existence, but it's almost hard to escape that, but it's the default setting because one, paralysis of choice. If you have 50 types of tomato sauce to pick from, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to pick one versus you only have three options, paralysis of choice. But if you have those three options and you know that you love one of them, are you going to really take the chance to potentially ruin a meal by getting a sauce you don't like? And that is something that is probably greater for, at least it's greater for me of an impact than for somebody like my girlfriend who will likely take that chance. So I see there's a second part of this. Uh, you will see the product objectively if you don't browse or shop. Um, how are you going to find new products? I didn't. That's the thing yeah. is that maybe there's a weird random chance that somebody like gives me some free food or I try a random sample in Costco or something and something external happens to me where I am then trying it or somebody here's, here's the most effective thing initially before I got really more adventurous because this has gotten better through just trying to manage myself is that often it'd be my girlfriend's the explorator, explorative one. So I get what I know I like every time. But if she gets something new, tries something new, she's the explorer, I'll try a little bit of what she got. And I'll be like, ooh, I like that. Next time I might get that. But she's the one who explores. And it's a dynamic that works for us. But it's honestly, it, it's it's difficult. I don't like that. I don't like that I just default to the comfortable, no choice default setting. And that I kind of rely on her a little bit for that. It's like, you're the adventurous one. Try this recipe and I'll try it. And so it's, <laughs> hey, Lindsay didn't leave after all. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, decision fatigue is what comes to mind when, when talking about this sort of stuff. I'm just like, I don't want to make decisions. <laughs> I just want to get up and do the thing. <laughs> Oh, I mean, my parents are the, like my parents with the food. I can go downstairs and there'll be stuff on the on the plate I've never even heard of, seen, or combinations of food. I'm like, why have you put this thing together? Why have you cooked it like that? But they're like, well, we're trying something different. Trying something different. I'm like, ah. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. Maybe sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It's just like, why can't we just eat something I know I like? <laughs> just make it easy. Yeah, but. The decision-making thing like right here with making decisions and hating that, that's exactly the thing with, what do you want for dinner? Okay, now I have to, not only am I bothered with context switching, but now I have to make a decision, but then communicate and then, oh, you don't like that? Well, now we need to, it's a it's a process 
that is now context switching, engagement of making a task decision and then conversing. That's like several different domains of energy sucking activity for something that I was in the middle of a business work abstraction context over here. And then you just blindside me with that. So this, this drives me absolutely insane, not for the context switching, just for the complete pointlessness of the question. Someone asks you a question, like a yes or no answer or whatever, you give an answer, it's not the answer they wanted. And they, and like, for example, like earlier today, like for, for dessert we had, I can't remember what it was, something. And my mom was like, do you want custard or ice cream? And I was like, custard. And she's like, well, what? I, I would prefer you to say ice cream. I was like, well, ice cream then. Okay. Why did you ask me the question? <laughs> if you want to ice cream with it instead of a custard, <laughs> it's just like put the ice cream with it. I'm not sure if that's just like a family, a partner thing, or if it's if it is just a neurodivergent thing. I'm I'm sure it's probably actually the former. But like, I just, my girlfriend too. It's like you ask the question, you give me options, you make me choose, but you already had one in mind that you wanted, and I honestly am not invested enough to care. I will give you a response if I have to make a choice for myself. But if you had a preference, I would default to that because I don't care. <laughs> yes. And not like I don't care, care, but like. I'm not invested in the outcome. I either is good. So if yep. you have a preference, I default to that. I don't care. So don't give me that choice. Don't make me expend that energy. And I don't want to forget to address uh, Polly's second to last comment. Second to last, uh, that one. Okay, so yes, I could, what I used to do is I would plan a meal. All right, I'm gonna have butter chicken and rice for lunch every day this week because that's one meal. I don't only have to cook one thing, that's minimal energy, minimal tasks, cook it once on Sunday, make enough, meals throughout the week, no decisions made. I operated like that, it did suck, but that's like, it worked enough for me to just get through my, my issues in my life. So that, obviously that doesn't work for just about anybody. It barely worked for me. So like with my partner, what happens is that because internally, me, myself, if I'm only in a room with myself, managing myself, doing things for myself, that's kind of how I default. I don't function. That's the whole point is that this is a dysfunction. I do not function and I cannot effectively try new things, try a variety that's effort, more tasks, but I'm hyper fixated on this or I'm distracted by that. It's like, it's all this myriad of stuff going on. It doesn't work. It sucks. So with my partner, what really helps is that when I have that externalized, uh, it's external things actually helping me, like, I don't know how to phrase this. Basically, when my girlfriend wants to cook something different, or you have a variety, we have a menu, we meal plan, we know what we're going to have, but because uh, she's like, I need to make sure that she eats, because if she doesn't eat, she gets angry, and if she gets angry, I have a bad day. So we're making sure that she eats, and if I am... I hate cooking. I hate cooking. I hate cleaning dishes. I hate doing dishes. I hate everything in the kitchen. I hate even having to eat. The, the entire fact that I need to eat is something I hate. Put an IV in me so I can hyper fixate with ever, uh, ever having to eat. I would be a happy person. I freaking hate the entire process of eating. <laughs> just one of those like food hats. <laughs> just, like, just I, hate, I hate eating. I just, I hate the entire process start to finish, kitchens, everything. I just hate it. I want to just hyper fixate put an IV in me so I don't die and I'd be, I'd be happy. But when she wants to cook something, when she wants a meal, when she needs to eat, when I'm cooking for her, when I'm helping her with dinner, that helps 
because now it's not about me doing something for myself. It's me doing something for her. And when I'm not the focus and it's something for somebody else, all of a sudden that becomes a lot easier. So it's almost like the, the ADHD strategy of body doubling to stay focused on a task, which is something I actually do in my own Discord server, which we have a room for body doubling. You just go in there, do whatever you're gonna work on, but other people are doing whatever they're working on in the same chat room as you. Nobody's talking, because that's distracting, but the presence is there. So it's kind of like being in a classroom, but it's silent. Everyone's focused on something. So, oh, everyone, okay, I guess we're focused right now. And it helps. So when I'm helping her cook, when I'm cooking together with her, doing things together with her, that helps me do it, but not for myself. If all of a sudden, so here's what also annoys her is that, okay, we're cooking dinner, but actually I just want to make this thing. So you're basically, you're on your own for dinner. I want to have this thing I'm going to cook for myself. Well, then I just basically expend no efforts. Like, I don't want to cook then, whatever. That makes her mad. It's like, no, you had effort to do it with me for this when we were going to do this. But now that you're on your own, you're like, what, what happened? I don't have the will to do that for myself. So sometimes, but then sometimes her anger at me for being that way is the motivation to then do it anyways. So it's, again, it's this weird dysfunctional dance that something as basic as feeding myself is a struggle and it's horrible, but it's also hilarious. I have, I have, I got the same dynamic, but I mean, if I could just, if, every single bit of food that I, I consume is like as quick as possible. When, when I moved out, it was like, I'm going, I'm going to make, I'm going to make enough for tomorrow. So it's like, I only need, I, I didn't, I didn't batch for the whole week because I knew eating the same thing would get frustrating. So I had like my, my dinner of Monday would be my lunch of Tuesday and it would work like that all throughout the week. Uh, so I was only really ever cooking like one, one meal a day. Uh, and then breakfast was like a minute cause it was always cereal. Cereal is just so easy. It's just like bowl, cereal, milk done. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually unintentionally do uh, intermittent fasting. Like we just don't really eat breakfast and I barely eat lunch. So usually like dinner is really the, the only real meal we eat per day. So usually when we cook dinners, it's just that has become lunch. It's not even intentional because sometimes I'm just, I just hyper fixate through the day. I just don't even eat. And even when I do eat normally, I don't even eat till noon. Like I, I just won't eat. Um, and there are, there's some other comments here too. the, the nerdy notioner one, um, right up above this, that's a good idea. I'm actually going to tell her that when she gets home and see what she thinks about that. Cause actually that's, that's not a bad strategy. Cause this is one thing I have a note on in obsidian on my published site is asynchronous communication. So this is exactly like, it's not just a millennial thing that I've seen. It's also like a me thing too. ADHD potentially is I don't like synchronous communication. Don't cold call me because that interrupts my context flow and focus. If you need something from me, text me. And, and this is something I got from actually a business training at my workplace is elevate to bandwidth. If it's like somebody's dying, it's important, call me. Leave a voicemail because I will rarely ever pick up a call. I don't care who it is. Unless it's my girlfriend, I will almost likely never pick up a call because I hate calls in general. But if it's important, leave a voicemail. I will get to it. If it's really important, text me. But first of all, the first method of contact should be text me because then I can get to it when I can get to it. I can look at it and be like, okay, that's not a priority. Okay, file that away for later. I'll leave it as an unread notification and then I'll get to it. 
If it's important, try to call me, text me and say, you know, hey, it's important. I tried to call you. Now it's like, okay, first of all, I know you tried to call me, so it could be important or it could just be something I'm going to ignore and get to in one to three business days. But if it's a call and it's important, you can text me and say, I tried to call you and it's important or just text me and say, it's important. But here's the thing, like this is a very complex way of saying something very simple. This is, this is a very simple thing. If you call, I'm gonna know, okay, either you're being annoying by calling me first or it's important. But if you text me and then confirm that it is important, I will call you back immediately. But I hate synchronous communication that requires my immediate demand for attention. Break what you're doing, I'm calling you. Don't do that to me. Synchronous communication, a text, an email, a ping on an IM service, that is synchronous because I can leave that alone, come back to it when I am ready, when I'm out of a cycle, when I'm out of a context and come back, come to that and be like, okay, yes, I can handle this now. So that's a great idea. I'm gonna bring that up to her and try that. And Polly, I did. I got into keto um, a couple times actually. And it, for a while, it was really effective. The first time I really got into it, I did it for a couple months. Um, I lost about 30 pounds. It was actually, uh, well, 30 pounds. Uh, so about, I think that's uh, 10 kilograms ish, a little bit more than that. Um, yeah, I think it's like 11 and a bit. Yeah. So that was actually a, a really effective thing for me. And honestly, it, it works because here's the thing with, because of decision-making polar, I'm really polar with decisions. I have to be all in or not at all with things often. So when it's with keto, it's like, okay, great. The polar decision is you will not eat any of XYZ, only ABC. So now it's like, okay, well, that changes a lot of decisions for me. That removes a lot of decisions. I don't have to make the choice of eating X or A. It's you can't eat X. It's only A. Okay, less decisions. And the, the only issue with that is, okay, well, then I'm not really adventurous to try new recipes. I get bored. I fall off the wagon. So when my girlfriend was with me and we both did this together, that really made it possible. But then um, she's Asian and typically so she's like, I need rice. Okay. I can't live without rice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, but um, it did work really well for us. I think she lost 10. I lost 30 pounds in like uh, a couple months. So we did try it. It is good. And I honestly do want to try it again, but uh, um. Uh, there was another question as well, which, I mean, I think it depends what country. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in the US, I'm not sure, it, most of your audience, I'm sure, is like UK and Europe um, based on local. Oh, really? Okay. Most yeah. of my um, audience, are, well, I don't know about live stream audience, but most of my YouTube audience are US. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, if you're in the US, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the, the healthcare here is uh, horrible, but. If you have healthcare, which U.S., if you have healthcare, um, usually it could be something as simple as talking to your um, your GP, your general practitioner, your normal doctor who you've had since a child or something like that, getting a referral or just straight up contacting um, the mental health department or a behavioral services department of whatever hospital or network you have, and then talking to a psychologist slash therapist or whoever. And then usually there are tests involved, like do you have these symptoms? Um, do you have enough of the of those boxes checked? And do you have them checked to a severity level that indicates that you likely have a disorder? And that's usually how they, I believe that how they diagnose you. So it's usually talking to somebody in behavioral services to get diag a, a diagnosis. And from there, depending on a myriad of things, payment, insurance, provider, any of those things, um, you can receive different treatments, not just medication, though 
medication is known factually to be one of the most effective methods for ADHD treatment, um, along with things like exercise and cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. So a lot of these are the most effective strategies. So if you are interested in getting one, you can do it. Uh, I highly encourage people to do it just because having that self-knowledge is useful. It's not going to be a bad thing to know that you have something and allow get like validate you in that and open up a door for you to, to like go look for strategies, tools, and at least to understand yourself better. So I always say it's if there's no reason to not do it for you, I say why not do it? If you can, that is. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Ah. I, I've had like I've been, I've been slowly writing stuff down as quiet as possible. <laughs> Because my keyboard is kind of loud. Uh, so I, I've got lots of notes and stuff to, to take away. Um, but yeah, awesome. Uh, we, we've been going for about two and a half hour, hours almost, which is nice. Nice. We all uh, we always go off and off and off. <laughs> I, so uh, th this, this is something that I so, say uh, Mike Vardy came on a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we did just just over three hours. And he was like, this, this is going to this has got to be a longer stream. And then I realized, oh, wait. Marie Pauline's stream was like 13 minutes longer. And I was like, ah, oops. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, not quite. <laughs> but you, you've beaten both of them by being on for two streams, both over two hours. So there you go, four hours. <laughs> Bam. Salted. Not that it's a competition at all. <laughs> I think uh, it's just neurodivergent conversing is, uh, we could just go on and on and on. We're just oh, playing yeah, off we of each other. <laughs> Oh, we certainly could. And th this is something that I know I want to do in future. I will probably set it up on the second channel um, because streams on this channel just kill it. They really do. <laughs> um, so I think I think it's the conversation streams. Anything that is replayable works. Anything that's conversation works for like the first three days and then it just like tanks the channel, which is why I've made the second channel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to try and do some some longer streams on there where they're just like conversations. Um, but yeah, which is why I want to try and keep this one like under two and a half because I know anything longer than two and a half hours for whatever reason does way worse than two hours. And I'm like, but it's like thirty minutes anyway. Um, it's me 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 diverging off again. I could go off on a whole rant, but um, I don't think I put your your channel in this video. I don't think I can't remember. Um, if not, your name's been on stream like. The whole time, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they've, they've managed to find it. Um, but is there anything you want to add before we before we close out the stream? Mm. I don't talk about ADHD too much on my channel. I have a couple videos, but if you're interested in like what I talk about, a lot of this stuff and all the things I've been saying, basically, I talk a lot about Obsidian, personal knowledge management, productivity, some programming, and a lot of eclectic things that I'm interested in. But all of that is usually through the lens of Here's how I function best. Here's how I'm approaching things. And the thing about being neurodivergent, approaching things a different way and making videos about that is that just because you might not be neurodivergent or ADHD and need anything the way that I do things, just because you are not ADHD doesn't mean a lot of the strategies and things that we employ to manage ourselves are not helpful advice for people who are neurotypical. So just because it's not you that, it, that you can't just see yourself in me doesn't mean that a lot of the things that I talk about are not potentially helpful to you. So if you enjoy that type of stuff, um, feel free to stop by my channel. I do have a Discord server and the ADHD and mental health channel is probably the most active channel in that server. 
Uh, I'm usually always lurking in there. So um, if you ever want to chat about this type of stuff, that's probably the best way. Email, I'm really slow to respond to business emails. But um, yeah, as much as I like inbox zero, I'm actually really slow to respond to business emails because I want to do them right. But if you, need, if you quickly want to have a conversation, Discord's probably the way. Awesome, awesome. And very quickly before I leave, so Justin, Justin said that this is the kind of interview you're looking for. If you do want to, like, if you if you want to get someone on stream and you want me to talk to them or you just want to ask them questions and just let me know. <laughs> let me know and I will try my best, but don't expect me to get some like massive names on here because I ain't got that much clout. <laughs> oh, you're done. <clears throat> Trust me, I've been trying. Um, <laughs> so on... On that note, um, have a good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever time it is where you are, and uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.